Jess and Julie Tweet. White girl. Julie, Beth, and Sharon. Help me. The more I see, the more I do. Don't tell me it's the father. That's right. He don't want to know what's going okay. on. Because white girls won't go. To ride, white girl highway. Tell all the white girls they can swing my way. What up, baby girl? How you doing? Is you single? Have you ever messed with a light skin and dingo? And I can give a damn what all my friends say to me. You and me, baby, can start making up for slavery. Girl, I'm just playing. I got a white mom. You got any black in ya? Would you like some? Or would you like my songs that be playing on the radio? Well, you know this in serious form of flatteries, fellatio. I ain't a picky guy, so I really don't care. If you a hippie white chick who got underarm hair. Or a ghetto white chick who be trying to act black. With your name on your chain and your hair slicked back. You could be from anywhere, Maine down to Malibu. From off the trailer park all the way to Park Avenue. See me with a black girl, you got the wrong man. Or it might have just been a white girl with a tan. And sisters, don't get mad, cause I'm out banging white chicks, cause we all look the same. When we turn off the light switch, see back in the day, I was getting no play. Then I went the white girl way, like OJ. So you can call the cave, but I'm sorry, OJ, cause I got my white girl and everything is okay. White Jess and Julie too. White girl. Julie, Beth, and Sharon. Help me alone. The more I see, the more I do. Don't tell me it's the father. That's right. He don't want to know what's going okay. on. Cause white girls won't go Like Tracy Lawrence, Houston, and Janet Jameson. Right about now, I'm on probation for three years. Cause I caught a stack case for having sex with Britney Spears. Get a head in the dressing room, I bust on the chin. Oops, I did it again. When his pouch was always saying, I be making her laugh. She gave me head, cause if I hit it, I break her in half. She ain't even the only white actress on my mattress. I'd even have sex with that Patrick from the practice. And Katie Holmes was always trying to take me home. Calling me on the phone saying, Casey, make me move. Smoking weed on a jet to get on a higher plane. I hate country music, want to bank Shania Twain. Whether short or tall, whether blonde or brunette. I ain't met a white girl who I wouldn't do yet. And I got Alyssa Milano hitting high notes like Sopranos. When we all up in my bedroom, making some mulattoes. I really don't think there's a girl that I miss. I used to like Mariah till I learned she was mixed. For those that's getting furious, please don't take me serious. I'm just wilding out like Eddie Murphy and Delirious. But if you took offense and you're black or you're white, I'm glad you didn't suck because you're way too uptight. White girls going through my mind. Sarah Jess and Julie too. White girls. Julie, Beth, and Sharon. The more I see, the more I do. Don't tell me it's the father. That's right. He don't want to know what's going on. If you seen this uh, video or heard this song, then you know what time it is, man. That's White Girls. And I got a special surprise for y'all. I have the man, the legend, <laughs> Mighty Casey in the building. What's going on, bro? Man, life is beautiful, man. It's crazy to hear that song 20 years later. It's, it's like, I think it's like only like the sixth song I ever made in my life. It's I been 20 years since White Girls? 
It's 20 years since I recorded it. Oh, okay, okay. 18 years since it's been on BET, but I recorded it. I think I recorded it in 2000 and put it out 2001, and then it made BET on 2002 and ran on BET from 2002 to 2006. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> hell yeah. So I'm glad to have you. So Thank you so much for having me. Hell yeah. We got Mighty Casey in the building one more time, man. Boop, boop, boop. So yeah, he was. he's the... The writer, the performer, the man behind the infamous song, White <laughs> Girls. God damn. And I'm going to tell you, bro, I used to watch that video all the time when I was in high school. I think I first seen it when I was in 11th grade. And I know during Christmas break, like spring break, we would all be up watching that shit. And we'd like come <laughs> back to school and talk about all the crazy ass videos and shit, man. man. Yo, it, it is so crazy because, like, now in the internet era, like, music is so accessible. So if I want to watch any video anytime, I'll just be like, all right, put it on YouTube. But back then, like, the only way you could see a Mighty Casey or a Black Jesus or a Wax a Million. Wax a Million. <laughs> oh, speaking of, you remember Joker the Bell Bondsman? Yo, I know all of them. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah. He, he was supposed to be here today. Oh, wow. But, but he hit me up and told me he had uh, something he ran over. So I, I'm going to have to do a, a phone interview with him. We're, we're actually friends on Facebook, man. Um, okay. Yeah, I remember he he, he he was in. He was in the pen for a bit. He out. He's doing real well. Right, right, right. I found him on Instagram and Facebook, and he's, he's just still up in Alaska. Yeah, yeah, because I told him that I had you come, and he was like, oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, and we know him. He's like, I remember when, when BET did that prank they was talking about they was going to bring a uh, cut back. Oh, hold on, you're going too far. We're going to talk okay, about okay, that okay, bullshit. Okay, okay. Oh, that shit pissed me off so <laughs> Me too. Bad. I was heated. I was heated. Hell yeah. So uh, how was your Thanksgiving, man? It was it was, it was was very nice. I, um, I'm on the West Coast. Most of my family's on the East Coast all over, but thank you, thanks to the magic of Zoom. I was able to talk to my, I'm Jamaican on my father's side, and that's usually my Wagwan. Thanksgiving. Wagwan, my old. <laughs> so, like, I got to speak to my family in Jamaica, England, Florida, D.C. It was nice for an hour. And then um, I got a roommate while I'm out here, and his aunt brought a, brought a nice big Thanksgiving care package of, okay. of the turkey and the stuffing and the yams and the rolls and the cornbread. So, you know, I ate well. Um... You know what I'm saying? Had to, had nice leftovers. So I had a real nice Thanksgiving. Um, you know, obviously my mother's not. Well, I never spent Thanksgiving with my mother, but there's a lot of people in my family on Thanksgiving that ain't here no more. You know what right, I'm saying? right. So that's but there's but then you know my, my a lot of a lot of new children being born in the family. So it, it's a nice family cycle. Like I appreciate Thanksgiving so much more as an adult. When I was a kid, I'd be like, oh, whatever, food, okay. I'm waiting for getting my presents on Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, man, especially you don't have a home cooked meal in a, in a bit, and you just love that. Love and, and I appreciate family a lot more. I don't feel like I'm being forced to hug nobody. It's, <laughs> it's genuine love. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, now it was a blessed Thanksgiving, and hopefully I could be um, see my family in person next time. But big up to Zoom. Hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? Big up Zoom. I was going to go back to Kentucky, but I was just tired. I'm like, I don't even feel like traveling. I'm just going to chill. <laughs> so I was in here, man, just watching TV, chilling, and my landlord hit me because last weekend or, we, yeah, last weekend, no, weekend before last, he had like a little thing for his family and stuff like that for Thanksgiving. So he was like, I ain't going to do too much Thanksgiving. Then he hit me and was like, yo, I'm going to have a plate for you. I was like, cool, because he hooked me up last year oh, for Christmas man. and Thanksgiving. So he knocked on the door. I was ready because I was trying to hold off on eating. I'm like, come on, man. Hurry up. Bring food. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I ate a nice little plate oh, for like two yeah. days and stuff. That's what's up, man. Home-cooked meals is so beautiful. As wonderful in L.A. is, I, yo, I got L.A. on seamless on lock. Yeah. Out here, man, Earl's. Earl's? I ain't never Earl's, been. man, they got these uh, hot chicken links. Okay. 
They got they got a Jamaican spot. We jamming bomb ass jerk chicken. That's around oh. here too. Okay. And then you know, um, what's the chicken spot? Of course, Roscoe's and all them. But they got they got a few men, um, few nice black owned spots. They got a nice on uh, Orleans and York. They got po boys and everything like oh, that. Okay, I think I heard of Orleans and York. Orleans and York's pretty good, man. Yeah. I, 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 it's, I've been thinking about moving closer out here, like Baldwin Hills, and the food is like one of the reasons because I'm like, yo, they got oh, some the- nice. The Black nice Beverly Hills. Black Beverly Hills, man. Yeah. yeah. So, man. But L.A. is cool, man. I enjoy the food. But home-cooked meals is, 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 is just so beautiful. So beautiful, man. Yeah, you was talking about being with family and something. And something had thought, popped in my head. I remember I went over this chick to her, her grandmama's house, like, Thanksgiving night. After everybody had ate, they were just over cooling and shit. So we chilling, man. Everybody's over chilling and, you know, drinking and, and just relaxing, talking shit. And then it popped in my head. I was like, yo, I think my uncle used to mess with your grandmama. That's hilarious. Yeah. So then she was like, who? And then I told her my uncle's name. I was like, Thomas. And then, they, like, when I said Thomas, like, everybody, like, just turned around and shit. And it was like, <laughs> what? It was like, Tommy Porter. I was like, that's my uncle. And it was like, oh, my God. Like, they was, like, joking and shit. They was cool and everything. I was like, damn, man. I smashed this chick and my uncle just smashed her <laughs> grandmama. Yo, it is a small world, man. And, and and I always play the do you know game to make sure, like, you know, someone yeah. ain't, ain't too far outside the circle. Oh, or, well, we, no, me and that chick, we weren't related at all. And shit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is just him saying in the hood and all that oh, motherfuckers yeah. know each other. Oh, nah, I never had nothing like that. I had a cousin I found out about in college, but I was never, I found out late, like, I already knew. And then when my aunt was like a cousin, but I never thought about that. But, um, but just even, it's not even um, always family business because it could be some type of old friend. She might know a girl you used to mess with. Oh, or, yeah, you know, yeah. Something, something crazy. So I try and find out who people who people know, you know, to, just to see how they intersect with my life. And if I find out that they know someone, I could at least call that person up and be like, yo. Right. What's up with Shorty? She all right? You know, she crazy? Or and she it's, it's funny how, like, our family members and shit, everybody has, like, characters. So the character that I seen that night was Uncle Ricky. Uncle Ricky was very feminine oh, and yeah. shit or whatever. So, but he was cool as fuck though. Right. He was cool, was talking. And then I'm I'm checking him out and shit. So I was like, Lisa, is Uncle Ricky? And then she cut me off. I was like, yes. I was gonna ask Uncle Ricky gay, but she already knew. What well, if I was you think about at. it, there's like you're supposed to have like a certain percentage of the population is gay. So if you have a big family, you know, yeah. fifty people. You might have a gay person there. And there's always the, the the jokes about aunt the auntie bringing her roommate. <laughs> oh hell yeah. <laughs> to Thanksgiving one. Everyone knows it ain't they they a little more than that, a little more than roommates. You know what I'm saying? I never brought none of my roommates to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uncle Ricky talked about Common, the rapper, the whole the whole night. Oh how how God. how fine Common was. Common's my man. I want Common. I was like, God damn, I ain't never heard nobody lust over Common. Nah, not a woman, not a man. He just, <laughs> yeah. just kind of in the middle. He just like looking super something. <laughs> but no, shout out to Uncle Ricky, man. He got a wife now and shit, so he's back to fucking with women. And I know he was sick. And I think he's better now. So Uncle, nice, Rick, man. Uncle Ricky, yeah. Sexuality's a spectrum, man. Yeah, hope Uncle Ricky's man. He's getting better. <laughs> Hell yeah, shit's crazy. I need a shout out to my Aunt Amy. It was her birthday the other day. And my dog, Turbo. He turned 12. My I, aunt, Okay, shout my, out Turbo. Yeah, my aunt and Turbo, they got the same birthday. And then my little punk ass goddaughter. She just turned 14 like oh, on man. Friday. So shout out to all y'all. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Y'all birthdays. So, man, you know what? How how long have you been rapping? Man, I um not 40 years yet. 
but close, like, let me see, seven, like, 37 years. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like, seriously rapping, like, recording, like, performing, like, 30 years. Recording, performing 30 years, but, like, I've been rapping... Like I just wanted to do it. Like when the movies Beat Street and Breaking and all that came out, like I was yeah. I was I was like a little kid in the early '80s. So when um like Beat Street, Breaking, Crush Groove, all the mm-hmm. movies came out, Run DMs, I was trying to be like them. And um, first time I ever really remember rapping, I went to a, a, a pro black summer camp. Okay, and they would have you like memorize Langston Hughes poems, the principles of Kwanzaa, and then um. They would call like the the head the, the head of the the summer camp would just call any random person out and you have to recite whatever Langston Hughes poem or whatever they have to have you memorize and they did it for me and I they, I had to do the principles of Kumba and I, principles of Kwanzaa so I just did that shit hip hop style like Umoja is unity and the whole camp was lit like <laughs> they was lit so I was just like yo I was just like rapping like and I would rap like um. TV show theme songs like long time ago there was a man named Jed. There was a poem out in there, barely kept his family fed. <laughs> like Brady Bunch, all that when I was like eight, nine, eight, nine, ten. And um so I you know, just not 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 even recording or, or any like real big performances, but just, you know, I would have little raps like, Come on, everybody gonna rock your heart. Don't need no money, not a credit card. Like at eight, nine I had bars, you know Hell what I'm yeah. saying? Like but um and then then when I was 16, they had a, a youth program. I'm from Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is like right outside Boston. So it's where Harvard okay. MIT is. And we had a um we had a youth performance program. And you auditioned and you know what I mean? And then if you got in, it was like a summer job. It was a summer program, but they also had a special a specific thing for performance. And I was rapping already, then I was rapping in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? And I was like, yo, I want to do it. So I did that audition. So I got to perform all around all around Cambridge okay. and around Boston and um, lots of people. And I guess, like, you know, I wanted to, be, I wanted to play basketball when I was growing up, like most people did. It was exciting. Um, but there was one time, I remember the two best basketball players I knew, the two best teams, they had a game. And we had a concert at the same time. It was right over there. It was our, our, like um, our concert was like in one part of the park and the game was in another part of the park. Everyone just left for the concert. No one was watching that game, and I was like, I don't even want to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, rapping is good. So that's I had, a, I had a rap song called Casey's Up to Bat. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I got my name, Mighty Casey. Cause there's a poem, Casey's Up to Bat. So I took it to it like Casey's Up to Bat, the bust the ball, the bust the rap. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I had a little. Oh, okay, okay. And I would perform that, uh, perform that all around Cambridge. This one, I'm like 15, 16. Yeah. You mentioned Boston. I got a shout out to my little Italian milf out there in Winthorpe. Winthorpe, yeah, <laughs> yo, like, and that's what. Well, we'll get into that later. There's a, definitely a lot of there's a lot of suburbs in Boston. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, outside outside of the area, there's a specific like you know mass whole whole culture and a lot of weird suburbs. You wouldn't even guess the town like Worcester, which is pronounced Worcester, Sharon. There's so many like little. Some towns is rich and some towns is, is they got a little like hood working class towns. They got some hood Puerto Rican towns like Lawrence. Okay. Averill, you know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Yeah, but so yeah, so I would I would rock around Boston and I had a chance to like perform for like, you know, thousand, maybe two thousand people. Cause I do the whole they had a whole like summer youth, the whole city of Boston, city of Cambridge, all the and, and I got a chance to like rock a lot of people, 
rock for a lot of people and, and get good energy. You know what I'm saying? So from, Hell yeah. from a young age, I was able to perform. I was able to like establish myself as a rapper in the neighborhood. Like everyone in the hood knew me as a rapper. Um, you know, I was, so like so like pretty much as, as as long as I can remember, like talking. You know what That's what's up. That's I've been, what's I've been up. rapping just because I came up like the culture was just crazy. Right, with 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 it kind of beginning with Run DMC and and the Fat Boys and, and and all those movies, and it was just something fresh and cool and something for me. Hell yeah! yeah. And then you wrote White Girls. Right? Can you tell us, man, the backstory? How did you come up with that? The whole concept, or what made you even write this? Um, I I'll, I'll bring it back a little bit. So, boom. Went to college, graduated Columbia University. Oh, you see, you beat me to all my punchline, I'm all my notes and stuff. Okay, okay, okay. So here's the backstory. I've always loved hip hop and humor. So uh-huh. I love like Eddie Murphy Saturday Night Live, and I would love it when he would do the musical numbers like um, Buckwheat, Sings right, the right. Blues, James Ain't Brown, Hot Tub, yeah, Fake Stevie Wonder. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you are black and I am one. <laughs> you are blind as a bat and I have sight. You know, so I would love all the Eddie Murphy stuff. I would love like um, even like Weird Al. Like, so I always love where humor and, and and music met. And then when Living Color came on and they had yeah. their white white baby, even the ice. Oh hell yeah! They had Mr. Ugly Man. So I was a big Living Color fan. So I've always been a fan of um, satire, parody, and music. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I already had a song that was popular called Liquorland that was kind of popping on the West Coast. And I was, you know, I was looking for a song that might be a bigger. And this is a time when I guess you could see people wasn't you weren't things like trolling, but you know, people like shock jocks, like you had Howard right. Stern, like Ali G was just kind of started popping with the Borat shit, and he was kind of. Oh, yeah. Doing stuff what we might today call trolling, where you you know do something to get a response. So there was a rapper called Necro, and he, there was a song called "I Need Love," "I Need Drugs." But he took LL's song "I Need Love" uh-huh. and he made it "I Need Drugs," and he's really just talking about being a straight like heroin fiend. Like so oh shit, he's like rapping from the perspective of a heroin addict over LL's "I Need Drugs," and that shit was just so outrageous. And I was like, oh shit, like I need to do something like that. So I was like, all right. I think my producer had an idea like white boys, and I'm like, I can't make no song about no white boys. Like, that <laughs> shit would not pop. And I was like, white girls, white girls will pop. And then um, from from there, I, there, there's two verses to white girls. There's one verse is um, where I'm just kind of like trying to talk to a white girl, and that's kind of like I got that from like Positive K when he do like I got a man, and he's, okay, he just be spitting game on on on, on wax, and he do that. To, um, I'm simply not having it. I saw MC Light. And then the second the second verse, I'm just talking about all the white girls I had sex with. And I got that from Biggie when he was talking about dreams. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, why don't I just flip it instead of talking about all the R&B singers? I could talk about all like the popular white girls at the time, like Britney Spears, Shania Twain, whoever, whoever, Gwyneth Paltrow. So I just you know mentioned all them. So I came up with the idea, and I kind of knew I was trolling. I knew I would kind of get a reaction. And... We, what really brought the song over the top was the video. So, like I said, I was kind of already a popular rapper in Boston. I put out one record. I didn't know what I was doing. And then the next record, I found out what I was doing. So, I found out about, like, um, radio promotion, publicity, like, right. how to use the internet, like, back then with, like, message boards and, and streaming sites. And this is in the 2000s. So, I found out what I was doing. I had a song, Liquorland, that was on um, Mike Nardone. Was a really big West Coast guy, so I had a song that was on a compilation. I had a big thousand dollars. I thought I was balling, and 
on that compilation, Dilated Peoples, who's a pretty big West Coast. Yeah, act. yeah. Um, Beastie Boys was on it. This dude, Idea, who kind of passed away, but he's like a Minneapolis legend. Cutmaster Kurt, like a lot of West Coast um, legends. So I was on that, and I was already on on the radio all the time. I was on the radio all the time. I knew all the DJs in Boston. College radio, college radio, not not really commercial radio too much, but I was on college radio all the time. Okay. And there was a a, a student at Emerson College, and I was a college radio. I was on the time, and he loved that song, Liquorland, and he wanted to do a video for it. And I just did White Girls, and I was like, yo, Liquorland's all right, but I got this song, White Girls. And he did everything for the video. He just This is when Craigslist first started. He just put out an ad on Craigslist. And um, so, an ad for what? White girls. Oh, so so the so the Cra- a Craigslist ad said, "Hey, shooting a music video, we need white girls." Something like that. I didn't even see it. I never <laughs> saw the ad. I didn't put out the director did it. So they saw it. Yo, that video cost me like a dollar. The director, whatever. But the thing is, I guess at the time, not it was like right now, anyone can make a music video. It's so right. easy. But back then, like even have a video edited, you at least had to know somebody. Right, right. Like you couldn't just you know like like learn. Like right now, you could just teach yourself how to edit a music video and make it. And um, so I had the music video, and I actually got there was actually um a, a website Central Cali that was streaming music videos before YouTube. So Usha was already like I had an idea, and the, and the thing was that um. I had a, I had a, my crib was popping. I had my own crib in the hood. Okay. I had my own crib in the hood. In Boston? In Cambridge. Okay. In Cambridge. And it was, it was really in my old hood too. So like all my old friends would stop by, like all the rappers would stop by. Like it was a real popping place. And I had the videotape for white girls and I would play it and play it and play it and play it. And people would come over like, oh, dog and menace. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the robbery tape. Um, and like one of my friends, he said he he was gonna give it to BT. I had an extra tape. I gave it to him. And then I don't think that something that came to that. One of my friends said he saw it on BT. So I called up BT. They said they ain't never play it, but they told me how to submit it. It's like a special tape. So all right, how'd you get BT's number? Uh, Google. Oh shit. Okay. Google or something, or maybe or maybe I dial four one one. Oh wow! Okay, was, I didn't know. No somebody one picked up, but man, it someone was it was up. it was meant for you to have. No, it no, 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 no. They called back. Okay, like I left a message and they called back. Oh, saying hey, I think my video was. I heard my video was played on. Yeah, here. Okay. and he was like, "Nah, it wasn't." And I was like, "But um, how do you how do you do it?" And he was like, "He gave me the submission form, like, and because I knew my, my 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 friend, the video director, he actually wound up moving to L.A. and he got a job in uh in, in like post production." Okay. So he like that like it was it was like some weird tape form like you wouldn't have like some DJ Betamax. Oh, that's like it wasn't it wasn't like you couldn't just do TV or VHS. You couldn't just submit your video like that. Oh, so you had to send it. Oh, okay. It I was, was like oh, a special right. Betamax specific tape. So, Damn. but he already had the hookup for that. So I found out how to do that. Like I signed myself up for publishing, and then I just submitted it. You said you had to sign over your publishing? No, I had to sign. I didn't have publishing. Oh, okay, I didn't okay. even sign up with ASCAP before that, but I signed up with ASCAP to make sure that. I had publishing right to get submit the video and shit. And you said the video cost a dollar. How did you manage to shoot a music video for a dollar? Well, it cost me fifty cents to get there on the subway and fifty cents to get back. <laughs> Hell yeah! So the video was shot out in Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. The the director I had a friend who was right on like the Cambridge some of a border camp, some of it was like another town. Because I always wondered like where you was at. I was like, I know it's somewhere. You know, it's cold. Cause it's snowing yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but I was, yeah. I didn't had no clue where you was. Yeah. That's like a lot up. of people thought it might be like Alaska, Nebraska, and you know what I'm saying? But yeah. um, nah, Boston, Cambridge, East Coast. 
Alright Any of them chicks You hook up with Nah but my, my friend Hooked up with the black girl the, I want to say <laughs> I got a lap dance from, from the girls Who I was in bed with But I ain't do nothing More than that For reasons I'll tell you Later about Alright You know what's crazy Like Seeing the, like the Random ass Black chick in the video Like that was like Crazy and shit like she that She showed up We don't want to discriminate And plus we had lines Like I would say You know sisters Don't get mad Cause I'm out banging White chicks Yeah So we were like Alright let's throw in For that Hell song. yeah and then I was like the cheerleaders, and I was like, because like when that when I think I was seeing, I was like seventeen, eighteen. I said, like, I wonder if these bitches are like my age or whatever. They, I didn't know it was a, it was a Craigslist call. They might have been high school cheerleaders, but no nothing inappropriate done. Hell with yeah, any, anyone underage. And, and the part that fucked me up was like you rapping and the chick is like doming you up in the video. Yeah, like, so hilarious. That was, the point. that was like originally originally it was like, all right, we just gonna use this version. We're gonna do a dirty version too, and gonna use that scene for the dirty version. And it turns out there was just never a clean version for the video. Yeah. So yeah, nah, that was just like a last minute improv. Like everything there, like there was no plan. We had no treatment. We were like, all right. So you, there was a dirty version to the video? No, no. The song? The, no, no. There, that was good. The dirty version, with the uncut version is supposed to be the dirty version. Oh, not, okay, okay. We never did nothing dirtier than that. Um, but yeah, so what was I saying? Um, so that, no, there was no treatment. We were just, we just had ideas. We were just like, all right, let's... All right, let's make this look like a girl's bedroom and put some posters up. Like, yeah, right, yeah. Let's go outside in the snow and play basketball. Because so it got... looked like y'all was in like a girl's room and all that. Yeah, well, yeah. that night. Nah, it was made to look like that. Hell yeah. They just put up like Jessica Simpson poster, like a few posters. And then um, and then we just decided to go outside for the basketball team. And then, yo, the girls just jumped in. They had the lingerie when I was in bed. They just jumped in the bed with me. I was like, oh, shit. Hell yeah. Rubbing my hairy chest. I wasn't even expecting to take my chest off. I was like, <laughs> Taco me all out. Um, That's dope. So you put that at, you do the video, your friends, you know, y'all watching it, everybody's having a good time. You submitted to BET. How long after the submission did it start get playing? And did they hit you up saying, hey, listen, we're going to start playing your video? It was it was like two months. And I think I called her to follow up and they told me. They told me, do Patrick Hines. He was the person I said it. So this was like Stephen, Stephen Hill, Kelly G, the, one of the persons who actually found it. Is a friend by is, is a friend of mine now, and he goes by the name of Tuma Bassa, and he he went from BET, then he went to MTV, then he went to Revolt, then he went to Spotify, and now he's at YouTube, and he's a pretty big power player in the industry, like yeah. you know Billboard Top Thirty or whatever. But he was one of the first few person to like find it out the bin, you know, because he was an intern then, and the okay. interns was just watching the videos in the bin and deciding what goes on on cut. Hell so, yeah. So yeah, that was a big surprise, and like I thought it would just be get get like you know shown twice, and and when Uncut first started, it wasn't like a thing. It was three p.m., three a.m. in the morning. Like I'm yeah. like, I got my video shown at three a.m. in the morning. At least I could tell people my video was on BET. Like you know what I mean. So let me spit real quick. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So after you put the video out and it's getting playing, how long after? That did people start saying like recognize you saying like oh yo Casey I seen you on Uncut oh man probably um a few months into like the summer like so it started two thousand two two thousand three and I was heavy going to the clubs like in Boston like Monday night Tuesday night take a break on Wednesday Thursday night Friday so like wow like it was like in Boston you don't got too many celebrities either because you know New York you got all the rappers all the actors Boston right. you got the Celtics the Patriots and episode like maybe a few a, a few months into like definitely by that next summer by like summer 2003 yeah I was lit. and then by 2004 I was super lit like around then 
Cause the Wayans brothers found out about me through that. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, oh man, all my talking points you yeah, hitting them before we get there. No, you good. Fault. You didn't know it's all good. <laughs> so you had the video out. Um, was like labels reaching out for you? So um, originally, I had, I had a deal with like just a distribution deal with traffic. So it wasn't until like years later when I went to New York, like oh six, um, oh six, yeah. That like Shady Records, Atlantic Records, and I met with them. So I met with with Shady Records, Riggs Morales. He's the dude who discovered Eminem, Unsigned uh-huh. Hype for the Source. And um, he said he really liked my music, but like there was no deal going on. At that time, it was like real G heavy. Yeah, yeah. And the other the Shady artists who was like a lot more my lane, like Stack Cole, Bobby Creekwater. They was like shelved and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. And then I met with Atlantic, and I I briefly met. With Leo Cohen and Kevin Lyles, but I mostly met with this dude Walter. Def Jam. Nah, this is when they all moved over to Atlantic. Oh, okay, okay. They all moved over to Atlantic. All the Def Jam people, Kevin Lyles and Leo and all them. Yeah. So I met with them, and then yo, I I, I, I thought it would have been like, yo, I got a hit by myself. Like, why? Right. Like, why don't you just give me a deal? Like, what's? But I, I don't know. Like, I, like when I met, like everyone's trying to hit like the next white girls and everything. So I thought I was like. Give me a deal. Like, I got, I, I got a song in a movie on BT by myself. Imagine what I could do with a budget. But, um, just, I sat, in, in retrospect, I think I should have just kept going independent and boom, 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 take advantage of that. But that, back then, it was like, deal, deal, deal. That was your, right. your ticket to rap stardom and all that. So, yeah. Because I went to the movies to see white chicks, you know, good movie. And I remember getting up to leave, the credits going, and then I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I, I know this beat and I'm listening I'm like holy shit like he made it to the fucking mainstream so what was that called like did the weigh-ins reach out to you the representatives did, was it directly to you or, oh, so, so, or management so, so at first so originally I, I, I was my management originally okay. so I told you I had the song Lickerland on Mike Nardone Mike uh-huh. Nardone had a um, had a had a, uh, a compilation called We Came From Beyond so through Mike Nardone, he's a LA guy, like, and you know, all the movies. So he knew all the music supervisors, everyone out here. And I think uh, Lisa Brown, the music was the music supervisor, and she knew him. Uh-huh. So, and she, I guess she knew that he already had to deal with me, like, because I already put out a song with him. So she, he reached out, she's like, yo, can this person reach out? And then Lisa Brown, she reached out. And originally, originally, Terry Crews was supposed to be singing it in the movie, like, oh. before he was going on his date. So, you know, they sent me the script and everything and how they was going to use it. So originally I was like, oh, I'm be super litty. And I thought they have like a real soundtrack and use it as a single. But um, but yo, I will say this. I be watching wild like um stories about movies like Juice or or, or Friday. Uh-huh. Maybe like Chris Tucker got paid five thousand for Friday. Yeah. Like, oh my god. I seen John Witherspoon, he said we 5, all got paid five thousand. Yo, the Wayans <laughs> brothers gave me twenty K at 10k and royalties forever just for oh, my song being shit. so the Wayans brothers show love man shout out to the Wayans brothers Hell shout out yeah. to Keenan Sean that whole family like they they real fair with people and That's pay what's people up. bro Hell yeah 20 20k for independent artists and shit fuck yeah a lot of people ain't getting it wasn't getting advances like that you know what right. I mean? and that's on and that's on top of like the publishing checks I've been getting for 15 years since then. And White Chick's like a little cult classic. So right. that joint shows in Czechoslovakia, I'm getting pennies. You know what I'm Hell saying? yeah. 
Some of them little royalty checks though is nice, but then I've seen some that's like fifteen cent. I'm like, bro, it costs more to send this bitch. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a hit and miss. It's direct deposit, and yeah, nah, and and I be looking at like some of my other songs, like White Girls still get some revenue, but like some of my other songs on the album that you know some people might have forgot about, but like one two spins, and you're getting like a quarter of a penny for each. Spin. Yeah, man, shit's so, crazy. Yeah. That's dope. So you get the the news that they want to use your song. How did that make you feel? Oh man, I felt great because I was broke at the time. Twenty grand made me feel really great, man. Hell yeah! I think um yeah, like I had bills to pay. I was fucking rapping. I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask what what thing did you buy? I know you had to splurge on yourself. Man, I think I just bought uh, like an Xbox and cable. Oh, okay. You kept it simple. You kept, kept it fucking simple. I didn't simple. buy no car or nothing or put nothing down. Like I know my, some of my homies wanted me to yeah. hit them off some weight. I was like, nah. I just and honestly, though, like. Twenty grand seems like a lot, but I wasn't worried. I was making music money at the time. Like, right. make fifty thousand dollars a year. That's that's hard to live off with that. So I'm getting twenty grand a year, and I'm getting maybe you know another ten, fifteen off off other off shows and stuff like that. But it's tough to live like thirty grand a year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that joint goes quick. So I wanted to move to New York. Had to get a job again. Had to get back in the workforce. Wound up went teaching kids about the music business in the South Bronx. Which was cool because I was also getting my royalty. So, I, so this, this is when the royalty started kicking in, and I'm getting like forty grand a year. And then, oh, just off the song you was getting? No, 40, no, oh, just, just teaching. My, yeah, okay. Yeah, you know teacher. something that shocked me? I seen that you was a high school teacher. I was. Yeah, nah, I got to teach. Um, so I was teaching. I was teaching science when white girls came out at a, at a uh-huh. black charter school. And did like, the students these, know? They found out eventually. <laughs> they found out eventually. <laughs> what was that like? I was just honest with them, like, man, you know what I mean? I'm an artist. I do this. And, you know, sometimes I think, like, for some of them maybe don't like me more, maybe made them respect me less. Like, though, you're a rapper. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? You out here being goofy on, on BT Uncut. Don't tell me to go to the principal's office. What, did the school find out? School did find out. What'd um, they say? They didn't really have nothing to say because it was so separate. Like, if it was in today's era and I was on YouTube like that, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But I had a song that was on at 3 in the morning. Right, I'm not trying to influence no kids at three in the morning. Like I'm, I'm, I'm more worried about these kids, these eight year old kids watching my video at three in the morning. Yeah, like yeah. now with YouTube, like it, teachers can't get away with nothing. Right, like you, you, they, they find your OnlyFans or something like that. <laughs> uh, Miss Bennett, can we have a word with you? Yeah, man, it's just crazy. Um, so not, but I actually went back to teaching after White Girls, and it was actually that was actually my selling point was that you know, I made it in the music business, and I could you know teach kids in the Bronx how to do the same thing. So that was really fun, man, because I taught the kids music business and music, like um, music theory, music history. That was really fun, man. I, I learned a lot about music myself while doing that. How long was you teaching? Um, So I first started teaching from maybe 2001 to 2003, and then I, I made money off rap from 2000, 2003, 2004, 2005. 2005, I went back to teaching. And I taught another three years. So maybe six years total. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's dope, man. Like, when I seen it, I was like, that blew me away. I was like, yo, <laughs> this motherfucker was a teacher. Yo, and I think there was only, like, one. And eventually they had me teaching at, like, um, a school for kids who, like, dropped out. Like, at-risk kids. Like, some uh-huh. gang kids. And it was one white woman teacher who, um, she had an issue with it. Oh, shit. I was like, oh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But the kids loved me there. And I, I did some. I actually did a, real, a song called Dropping Out. And I did it with, um. A lot of the students I work with, and um, it's all about like you know either uh, it's like some sort of two stories about a young woman 
who, you know, gets pregnant, drops out uh-huh. of high school, and then another about uh, a young man who joins a gang and drops out of high school. And I was seeing a lot of that while I was teaching. So, and then I used some of the students, uh, my music students made the song, and then my my students at the uh, at the transitional school, they all acted in the video, and it turned out really dope. So that was that was a real dope where I was able to um, use both my teaching and my music experience to come up with something cool. Hell yeah. And that song, Complex Magazine had it as one of the top 100 videos of the 2000s. That's crazy. And the top uh, 25 funniest songs That's of crazy. all time. Like, fuck, hell That's yeah. crazy. And, and, and when I look at all those other videos, everyone else was on a big major label. Right. You know what I mean? I think XXL had me number nine, too, and they top, top, top. Top twenty or whatever, Hell so it's yeah. crazy, you know, just, just just being able to have a little place in history. Like part of me wishes I had like some classic albums and more of that, but it's like I'm just blessed, like because out of so many people who rap, like so many few people really don't get any opportunities. You know, they just wind up, you know, selling their mixtapes, getting a job, doing something else, like or, yeah. or still rapping in their forties, fifties, and never even you know really got on the radio or nothing. So I've been real blessed to have the opportunities. That, that that I've had in this game. Did they play white girls like on mainstream radio or just I, I, like they've? It, it's never been in rotation, but they played it on Sirius. I was on the Sway and Tech show, so like, oh, okay, the Hot ninety sevens. <laughs> like I've been on Hot ninety seven, so that they'll they'll play it like on a, like a mixed radio show or a talk mm-hmm. radio show, but they will never be in like rotation, rotation. Right, right. Yeah. Hell yeah, man, that's dope. So, what is your your friends and family? What do they think about like all your success and all that shit? My, my friends and family really supportive, and they was kind of the people who gave me the confidence. Um, my family. So, both my parents is like super educated. My father's Jamaican, and um, he got you know like a PhD in math. So it's like he knows it's me. Like he obviously might have want to have like a more um more like traditional Jamaican doctor, lawyer, whatever, but he knows I'm me. And I think right. he's, but he also like his, his very close cousin wrote a Jamaican movie called the harder they come. And so he, he has a respect for creativity, but yeah. when, when you had the discipline for it. my mother, my mother, God rest her soul. She passed away four years ago. Um, she, she always encouraged me just to be smart. That was her big thing. As long as you're smart and you're intelligent and you do whatever you do. I think, she might have had some ideas of like my music, but I, but, but, but before she passed, there was some dude at the Kenohis. It's like a half, it was like, it's, it's a half Japanese, half black guy. But he wrote a big like article or, or no, a chapter on me, me, little brother, childish Gambino, De La Soul, okay. about how what we meant to like satire or like post civil rights. So we wrote a real long intellectual story about my music. So I showed it to my mother, and she's like, "Oh, you're doing smart shit." And I was like, "Yeah, ma." So. I think you know it was. It's, it's interesting that they, they understand me and they understand I'm joking around and I'm not like, hell yeah, I'm not no wild sex sex perv or something like that. So most of them appreciate the humor. Um, my friends, some of my friends was a little apprehensive, like that being the first single, because I, I kind of knew what I was doing and like other things. But most of my friends were supportive. Uh, I think I should have listened to a lot more of my friends like early on because I wasn't really listening to any criticism. I was just like, yo, I'm rapping. I wasn't like, I should have really been listening to improving my flow, improving this, doing this, working on other things. So, but I've really have really blessed, supportive friends, like friends who like you know other people. And I and I see it in the game today. It really makes me sad about how rappers and their friends and they get involved in violence and gangs and stuff like that. And I was the, it was the opposite for me. My friends was like, nah, Casey ain't fighting. He's he's a rapper. He don't need to do that. Like. 
Casey ain't coming to the gang fight. He's he's chilling. He's doing his rap stuff. So um, all my friends were really supportive. I'm from a, t- a town where you know Patrick Ewan's from there, Ben Affleck's from there, Matt Damon. Okay, but there's not too many people who really made it as rap. And, and even in Boston, there's this Ed OG RSO. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I have a lot of support from my, my friends and, and my family, and I'm still you know making new friends, new family, still you know making new music and, and working with new artists. Yeah. So that's that. It's it's, it's real exciting. I feel like. The best is yet to come, and I, I I really think that you know white girls is is a learning experience where where I could teach other people about right. the music business. I like yo, you don't need a label, you know what I'm saying? Like, you 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 can get a deal with a movie, you can get on uh, mainstream radio, you can do this. You don't need to give away you know 75 percent of your publishing and all your rights. You don't need to sign a 360. Hell yeah. yeah. Was there any celebrity that you met that knew who you was, and you was like, oh shit, they know me, they know the song. So people I heard about was Dr. Dre, but I, I ain't never really met him. You heard um, Dr. Dre like the song? Yeah. Oh shit. Okay, that's yeah, what's up. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I it's always people I hear about because you know people I see might not say anything to me. But when I when I was at the White Chicks premiere, that was that was lit. Okay, I was gonna ask if you was able you know, to go to a premiere. Or yeah. Anything. Oh, Nick Cannon kind of surprised me when he told me he told me that he had you know they had the BET Top 25. Yeah. Yeah. Like every like they would give like a celebrity the top twenty five video. Yeah, it'd be like a three hour long. I mean, yeah. I used to record that shit back in the day. Yeah. But Nick told me he had white girls number two on his top twenty five, but Stephen Hill and BET wouldn't let him have it. They wouldn't uh, even let him run it for like thirty seconds. They were like, "Nah, we got it." This might have been around the same time the Nelly thing started. Yeah, and, up. and I heard that Nelly is the reason why Uncut ended because they got so much heat. You know, from him. The tip drill. Yeah, sliding the credit card on the booty crack and shit like that. Yeah. Well, and it was the women at, at Spellman, Spellman College. Yeah, when too. he was trying to get the a donor right. for his sister. And and I, I feel it, and I feel like, and I, I see where they're coming from, but I feel like you guys can watch your Black Magic Mike movie. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or watch it after three and objectify men, and you might watch your, you know, Mike Tyson fight or whatever. The one. Yeah. And let us let us get our thing, too. But I feel it's a balance, and this is a, the, the problem in hip-hop. And I feel like, well, I see some people I'm following. I feel no problem with women shaking their ass. I like watching shit, but if you have women shaking their ass and you don't never hear a woman have an intelligent conversation or a point of view, that's a problem. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I feel that and I, that is a bit of a problem in hip hop. Not the ass shaking; it's just the lack of right. You know, intelligent, uh, opinionated, vo- humanizing voices. Because that's how when you talk about objectifying pe- women. Because if you have a woman, all she is is ass and titties. Man. And not a voice, not a mind, not emotions. You know what I'm saying? Like that's it. But um, but yeah, nah. I I, I mean, I I get them shutting it down. But it was a real great one of the real last places for independent artists to get. Hell yeah! Before the internet, and the internet is is is, is a whole new 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 wave in terms of you know exploiting that to get into like a, a mainstream level exposure which is even even then like stuff that go viral is it's not that easy like you don't just go viral because i always wonder i'm like how the fuck are they getting their videos on here and you had some that was like super fucking low quality and then there was some that was like decent but if yeah. you if you look now like the quality back then you know what i'm saying it was good but like compared to now we got 4k and shit like that it's like man that sucks but Back then, you know what I'm saying, that was good quality in 2002, two, three, four, and and that's a wonderful thing going on with technology is that, um, you know, stuff that stuff that might have cost like ten thousand dollars ten years ago was like a hundred dollars now. Hell yeah, and that's that's what I like to encourage. Um, 
encourage like young artists to do is find, and that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to find new ways of technology and new new ways. Like if I can't get on the radio and I can't get on um, your MTV raps, you know what I mean? I'm gonna get on college radio, right? And I'm gonna get on on BET Uncut. If I can't perform at Madison Square Garden, I'm gonna perform at the Middle East. You know what I mean? I'm gonna perform yeah. outside Madison Square Garden. I'm, a, you know what I'm saying? Did you ever go on any tours? I went on a UK tour and I went on like a couple like like little Cali tours. I went on a, a UK tour, but um, a lot of shows, but not as many tours. I think it's hard to tour off one song. I think True. maybe if I develop more of uh, other things. But there was offers, but by the time there was offers, it was like, man, I'm, I got a job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm working now. Like, I feel that, and I feel like it's one of the there's like a couple routes you can go in hip hop if you don't go like mainstream if you're an underground act. Is like you could just tour overseas like that, like that. And touring overseas is cool. Um, it, I did it, and it's great meeting, meeting new people, seeing new cultures. Um, but I love the home love. You know what I mean? I got in this to be a, the man here. Like oh, I, yeah. I want to be the man in the United States of America. I want to be the man in my hood. You know what I mean? I want to be the man in New York, L.A. So I didn't tour as much as I should have, man, because I probably could have made a little more show money off the notoriety. I never really had any proper management. Or anything it was just I feel that. never had um a booking agency hell yeah. Oh, yeah all right we're gonna take a I, I shout out the cities and the countries that listen you mentioned uk and all that so we'll shout them out so like they show me love by listening so i like to you know give it back by shouting them out so we got united states united kingdom portugal japan australia canada germany mexico denmark India and the United Arab Emirates. A lot of countries. Yeah, man, the United Arab Emirates. Y'all ain't popped on the list in a long time. So if any of y'all uh, sheiks or princesses <laughs> out there, you know what I'm saying? I know y'all money is super long. You know what I'm saying? Let's do something where we can work it out and, and make a couple of dollars. I want to come over and play with the cheetahs and, and ride <laughs> in the Maybacks and shit because I know y'all got it. Bro, yeah, Dubai is no joke. Hell yeah. Shout out to Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Boston. Fanborough, Middle River, Atlantic City, Braga, Fontana, Fujisawa, Louisville, Morrow, Santa Clarita, Melbourne, Cork, Toronto, Harrogate, Newcastle upon Tyne, Unknown. This one I don't even know. A A R H U S. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to Brandenburg, Cancun, Columbus, Dudley, Winnipeg, Calgary, Auburn, Dubai. And London. Wow. Yeah. You got, you got listeners in every area code. Yeah, bro. I'm just yeah. trying to expand my horizons. And, Beautiful. And so I was on the iTunes charts uh, in Canada and in Ireland. I fell off the charts in Canada, but I'm still on the charts in Ireland. So shout out, shout out to all my Irish folks. I yeah. peaked at number 54. That's what's up. Yeah. They have like 250 slots. So I peaked at 54. I dropped down a little bit. So I need to, I'll probably move back up because I'm going to put this episode out tonight. And then hopefully. You have all my mates in Ireland having a pint at the pub. Hell yeah, man. I'm trying to go over and have a pint at the pub with a nice <laughs> little sexy little redhead chick, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. For sure. I want to hear I want to hear a moan in that Irish accent. I just want to see if it's <laughs> But yeah, I'm just trying to get back on the chart. So if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to i appreciate it i didn't some had like i didn't know what was up with apple because like i was on the uh, charts like heavy like maybe like a year and a half ago and then they took my shit off the platform because i had the worst shit 
in one of my descriptions. Like Apple took me off. Yeah. Oh, wow, so crazy. I was like, yo, what the fuck happened to my stuff? So then they told me. So I had to go and edit it to take shit out. Then they put me back on the platform. And when they when I was on the platform, I was like high up on the charts. And then I was like, damn, man, I, there was no room for me to grow. I couldn't advance, you know, because y'all took me down. And they didn't even send me an email to tell me. I just I hate to- that. I had I had um I had two million views on YouTube. I have a startup, MV Gen, it's a music video generator. I'll talk about it later, but they took away I had two million views. I was working on them views, man. Uh-huh. And without no strikes, no warning, just boom. And some soon like you can't even talk to nobody. You can't find nobody to talk to. to Dog, it's so hard to, to get it. Yeah, I'm having a little issue with YouTube and shit. And it's like they send you little Tip, help tips them yeah, shits yeah. don't work man and then they, yeah you got um yeah these big tech man they 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 running stuff now man they 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 can control you your your success they control your voice whatever man get get down to lay down they telling you hell yeah but yeah shout out to everybody in canada and in ireland i appreciate that tell all your mates tell all your peoples to to listen to this and just shout out to everybody who's really listening i would love to be on the on the charts back in america again and then them other countries so just like, subscribe, tell all your peoples, play that shit, you know, and spread the word around. I love y'all. God damn. That made me feel fucking good just to see my shit yeah, on two man. charts. Oh, like hell. And it's foreign. Cause honestly, I, I wanna I wanna fuck with the foreigners even more. Cause one, they appreciate you a whole lot more than Americans do. And the money is fucking ten times better. They're not cheap overseas. Yeah, and, and that's what I was talking about, you know, touring overseas. And also, like, that's where I got a lot of my press. A lot of my best presses was was over in the UK, not even in the States. Um I got top one of my albums was like uh, original only had one of my what am I talking about one of my albums? Only had one album. Uh, original Rude Boy was one of the top albums of 2003, 2004, and I actually wound up signing a deal, a UK deal, just exclusively for the vinyl. Okay. And they 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 made my um. This was some marketing, like some ahead of the time marketing. They had a coloring book as the cover, and they let everyone color and meme it up. But everyone would like make little mighty Casey memes with the coloring book, and they had a contest. Hell yeah. So the contest people won, but nah, the, for real, like the UK fans and uh, overseas fans, I feel. That uh, America people's kind of like saturated, have content forced on them, uh-huh. and like they're just out there really looking looking for new, fresh content, and not necessarily the mainstream content that America's pushing on you with the same, you know, the same big media yeah, personalities yeah. and music and, 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 and movies that they America just kind of really pushes to overseas people. Yeah, we're gonna get back to music. We're gonna talk about some other little shit. Uh, Friday. Me and my homeboy, I've had him on the podcast, Big T, Terrence. We went to Skid Row and passed out lunches and shit to the homeless. Nice. Yeah, like uh, we had like 105 sack lunches. So, yeah, we went. I went over Thursday night and we made the sandwiches and all that shit. And then Friday morning went over and passed it out. It made, it made me feel good. Like I've been wanting to get back and do a little shit, you know what I'm saying, to help the community. But my thing was, I'm like, I don't mind giving them like food and shit like that and helping them out but at a certain point i'm gonna be like yo y'all are content with living out here you're not trying to make yourself better i'm not finna be feeding you and doing all this shit if you are not gonna make yourself better i'm gonna help people out who want to help themselves and if you want to live on the street that's cool but i'm not gonna be fucking feeding you and shit because you just want to live on the street and that's how you want to fucking live i understand we all have like 
hard times and shit and we get me to get on your feet but if you at her trying then I, I don't mind giving you some fucking water and some sandwiches and shit but if you just like man fucking i'm gonna live on the street till i die i'm like you know what bro you need to figure this shit out on your own well la is crazy man i've never seen so many homeless people too yeah i've like been out here but you got you gotta think like mental health is a serious issue true true a lot of drug addiction going on yeah and america has a problem man america has a big mental illness and, and, and drug problem, and, and and it's even like for me, like I don't, I don't, I feel bad about it. But I just kind of like blank these people out, and it's like I feel like there are people I can help in other ways who have futures. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. kid in the school, right? Kid in the hood school might go a different way if you don't show him a positive way. I think I have a lot more chance of helping him than helping a uh, person who's homeless on the street might have years of mental illness, right? Drug addiction, personal issues. You know what I'm saying? So. It's 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 a tough situation, but I feel like I always, you know, I try and help people, like, cause there's always like those little smart kids in the hood, and I always try and find them and help them, cause them of the kids, if you, if they don't do something positive, they're gonna be the best negative person. They're right. gonna be the gang leader, or you know what I mean. They're gonna be the, if they're not gonna be the best rapper or best tech person or best video director or best basketball player, they're gonna be the best gangster, best robber. So. I try and find like certain people to reach out to or I feel have a lot of potential. And if you reach out to the next leader, right, that leader's gonna reach out to the next four or five people. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, a yeah. exponential effect in yeah. terms of in terms of helping people out. So that's why I really like teaching and I still like I still do mentoring. I, um I manage a group mankind and they they grown men and they know a lot about the music business by themselves, but just being able to to take my experience in the game, uh, and, and and show them like and, and my and my ideas and work with them is, is a real blessing, and I feel like that's a way, and that's you know it helps me, it helps them, and I feel like they have dope positive music. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's 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 it's, 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 it's a lot of ways you can help out, man. A lot of ways you can help people out, and there's a lot of people who need help in this world. Yeah, hell yeah. I want to shout out my homegirl Nair. I had her on an episode like two episodes ago, something like that. And we were talking about two of her ex-girlfriends like hated me and shit for no fucking reason. And now she's dating a dude and he hates me. She texts me. She's like, you have a third hater. I'm like, what the fuck did I do? And she was like, he was mad that you came over here to do, to do the podcast. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like he knew about me. I never met him. Still hadn't met him. He knew I was coming over and after, you know what I'm saying, I left, he had an attitude about it. And I'm just like, what the fuck, man? I mean, that's a, the dudes is, 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 is like, he, you, if you cry, if you can meet him in another situation, you probably love you. But I'll be like this too. I any, any friend of a girl I'm dating, male friend, I don't like that nigga. Yeah. <laughs> but see, I can't win, bro. Like, you can't win in she, that date, she dates women and men, and both of those motherfuckers hate me, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? And she was like, nah, he ain't jealous or and whoop de whoop. Everything's cool. I was like, all right, straight. And like I went over, like I know her son. I hollered at her son for a little minute. We did the podcast and I left. That was it. And he's tripping. Yeah, yeah. Now yo, man, yo, jealousy is a serious thing. Old protection is yeah. a serious thing. Like what I had to say is stop your blood clot crying. Stop your blood clot crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Shit's crazy. And then something that like tripped me out, I seen uh, Gabourey Citibay, Precious, she got engaged, and I was like, she got engaged, and I can't get a bitch to text me back. Man, I always feel like that. <laughs> I, there's always there's always some unattractive or whatever person, but I feel like that's that's really me and me wanting it. I mean, I'm sure Gabourey Citibay, 
she found someone who loved her, but she probably had a as big as she is and with money, she probably you yeah. know, probably a lot of brothers were cracking on her. She probably and then she found herself a nice little white. She dude got like the white that. boy, yeah. <laughs> like and and, and 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 that's and that's my message to people too. No matter how you look, how you feel. There's someone out there for you. But I think people like maybe me and you, like we have a conceived idea. Like we're handsome. We should have all the bad bitches. Yeah. Right? And you know, and that don't always work like that. And that's yeah, why yeah. And that's why you might have like an ugly dude and he's happily married. You might have a couple women because he's just content. And then you got a lot. I got a few single friends, good looking old people, but they're just in the streets or they waiting for this. And women too. Women is the worst. Because if you're a picky woman and you are 30... Cause you gotta think with black men, black men isn't fathers. Unfortunately, we deal with mass incarceration. Unfortunately, we deal with, you know, some of us get killed and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And there are, you know, a lot of us might not have the same opportunities as black women in like professional world. So we might not make as much money as them. And they are, they are not, and they bad as shit. I'm like, how old is, you should have eight kids and by now they're forty, no man. And I'm like. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it, 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 it's weird, man, but it's a choice. You know, I'm 44, no children and stuff like that, but it's it's a choice, you know, and the, sometimes I think, and it's always the the, the um, grass is always greener because I could tell you a whole bunch of people unhappy in their relationship. Oh, me, me too. <laughs> me too. I ain't got no kids. I just turned 35 like two weeks ago. So, so, you know, it's chilling. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pros and cons both, both, both ways in terms of relationships but shout out shout out to um shout out to all the women who's getting it from from both sexes yeah oh and yeah i want to shout out all the women who left me only to become single mamas oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. hey how'd that work out for you yeah, yeah 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 something else about thanksgiving thanksgiving has taught me that i would not eat at a lot of people's houses <laughs> oh my god bro i've seen like the most struggle meals oh, on facebook man. And then I seen some disgusting shit. I seen so I seen somebody. They was uh, washing greens. I seen in the that. bathtub. Oh no! I seen something in the sink. I seen the mac and cheese with the water in the sink. Like they using the craft. They making the craft mac and cheese in the sink for Thanksgiving. Hold on, in the and not in no pan. Nah, in the sink. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> what kind of shit is Yo, that? Yo, I don't know. Like I, I grew up, I. I grew up. You know, Jamaican people are extra clean and they extra uh-huh. and they good cooks. Yeah, hell yeah. And that. that my father's good cook. All my aunts is good cooks. Like, I just expect people to be good cooks. Like, I came to people's house and, and had a bad meal. I'm like, what the fuck? Everyone ain't, <laughs> everyone ain't a good cook like my family? Like, Yeah. I seen and those then, greens in the bathtub, and I was like, oh, I just thought of, like, uh, soap scum. and ba-. I'm like, dog, you can't clean a, a bathtub that good to fucking prepare food in. Nah. That shit, I was like, I'll never eat. At your house. And it was one of my cousins, you know what I'm saying? She finds out about it. I don't give a fuck. I'm not super mad at that. If you cooking for like a hundred people, what's the what other what are the what else you can do in butter bathtub if you gotta cook that much? No, nah, but people a it lot wasn't of shit, a lot of people over there. Okay, it wasn't a lot of people no. over there. Oh nah. Yeah. A lot a lot of moonshine, like a lot of shit. Like you might smoke weed, you don't know where that weed been or True. The moon. like people was doing some crazy shit with the moonshine making that shit in bathtubs. Oh like, yeah. Like you don't know who's with the weed man's hands when he gives yeah, you. Yeah, man. So I just try not to think about stuff when I oh. eat stuff. Cause I I be like, I think I got a good digestive system and a good immune system. So shit ain't just, just uh-uh. get that get that COVID nineteen bacteria out of my body. <laughs> Naked <laughs> people wash themselves and hell no. I, I I ain't never eaten that shit. Yeah. And then I seen this one chick I went to school with. She had she posted a picture of her cat that was sitting on the table 
wrapped up in the tablecloth it was a video he was like struggling to get out of the tablecloth and then there was another picture of just the cat on the table you know what i'm saying in the in the tablecloth and i was just like that's fucking disgusting man pets and hygiene is crazy i'm not a pet person so i understand pets and hygiene yeah about a dog people be kissing their dogs i don't do that shit yeah nah i'm right but um but yeah nah (laughs) that's just all so crazy to me and and i grew up Definitely, and, and women, my thing, if you're a professional woman and you have not spent time working on cooking, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. You're an independent woman. You got money. You can make seamless. But don't try and become a chef on Thanksgiving the day oh. before. Don't do that. If you're not a real cook, don't don't try and impress your man when you've been working nine to nine, ordering your seamless, mm-hmm. getting takeout, microwave meals. Don't. Don't try and automatically just become a chef for Thanksgiving. Like, because oh, we live in a new world, man. We live in a new world where women have opportunities to make money. They don't need to be in the kitchen no more. Men, maybe yeah, yeah. men need to start chefing. I had an idea for a startup where everyone could just like Uber, Uber Eats, but for kitchens. Like, if you got a Mexican neighbor and and he got plates, or a Mexican woman, she could just you could just go get they get their plates. Someone have that delivered. Like, everyone have their own kitchen, their own place. Like, if you live in, like, I could find out. The best woman with the best ribs who don't don't have a restaurant, but she just got her own kitchen and just order from there. Hell yeah. yeah, yeah. You got and seeing that like made me think of like work potlucks and shit. Like you don't eat everybody's shit because you be like, hey man, he goes to the bathroom and he don't wash his hands, or, <laughs> or it's like they got a bunch of pets. Like certain people, I'd be like, listen, you need to go to the grocery store and you need to bring something that has been sealed and don't open that shit till you get here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you can't eat it. You, 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 you can you can tell like by looking at stuff. Someone, yeah. if if it if it looks like it took some preparation, it took it. And and again, like, it, 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 don't feel pressure to bring that into the potluck to cook to to compete with the other moms if you can't cook. Like that's right. Because you just might have embarrassing yourself. Hell yeah! Just just buy something, man. Buy buy something. Like I had I I I fake cook for Thanksgiving one time. I took a picture. <laughs> like I had. I had like leftovers, Jamaican leftovers, and I had some like Stouffer's mac and cheese, but it okay. should look lit. So I had like that, all the extra leftovers so that I just put them all together and I organized it real nice. And I took a picture on Thanksgiving. I was like, look what I made. <laughs> <laughs> Out there fooling folk. <laughs> Out there fooling. And women were coming to my crib like, where's that Thanksgiving meal? I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Too late. I only do that once a year, baby. Can't, can't cook for you right now. We get some seamless, though. Hell, yeah. We got a segment on here called Struggle Bus, yeah. where we rode the struggle bus in life. So I'm going to tell you my struggle bus story, and then if you have one, you know, you oh, can share. Yeah. So my struggle bus was I was in the first grade. We lived in this little bum-ass house. So we were living with my stepfather, my, uh, my mom, and my half-brother, and they would fucking break up all the time. And So we was living in this little bum-ass house. And... It was like we had no AC and like no heat. So during the summer, it was hot as fuck in there. And I didn't have no toys at this house. Only thing I had was my Nintendo. And I ended up catching chicken pox during the summer. You can't go outside. The only thing I could fucking do was play Nintendo because I didn't have no toys. And my fucking mom was such a bitch. She made me stop playing Nintendo. I had like no books, nothing to fucking do. And... That was like one of the hottest fucking summers like of my life. And during the winter, I remember it was so fucking cold that I was sleeping in my sleeping bag and then I had my covers on top of me. And I remember like it was it was freezing one morning. I'm getting ready to to go to school and shit and my mom is like, 
stand she opened up the fucking oven it was like stand in front of her and get dressed so i'm like inside of my <laughs> i'm i'm standing i'm standing inside of my sleeping bag putting on my school uniform in my sleeping bag standing in front of the oven because it was so fucking cold in the house and that was the only way to heat that bitch up <laughs> that fucking raggedy ass house man <laughs> i remember the cold house i just remember putting my towel on the heater and i would wait till my towel got hot as oh. soon as you came out that shower or the bath you're so cold, I just have that hot towel. Like, ah. I never did that. <laughs> <laughs> on the clanky heater, the beat ball, the blank, blank, yeah. blank heaters. Yeah. So, the, all right, that was yours? Nah, nah, uh, I've really been on some struggle buses. Okay. I thought you was going to ask how many buses. I, I've been on all the worst ones. I don't know why. I was in Albany. <laughs> and I, Upstate New York. Upstate New yeah, York. Yeah. I, think I, I think I was going to Canada or something. I was going there. And at Albany, they have a, they have a, a lunch place, and you can get some bomb-ass ribs. Okay. So I'm trying to eat my ribs, and the bus goes, oh, the bus leaving. I'm like, oh, shit. So I run on the bus, and there's a lady, old lady sitting next to me in a white dress. And I'm like, fuck, I, I'm like, I'm eating these ribs, nigga. <laughs> that bus hit a fucking bump. Them ribs went all over her Oh. <laughs> oh, man. So that's my struggle bus bus story. Another time, there was like a bus got shut down in traffic. I'm on the way to an event in you know, Philly. The Penn Relays was a big track event. Uh-huh. I just got the fuck off the bus in the middle of traffic, walked walked down the nearest turnpike, found a hotel, got a cab from the hotel, and it, um yeah, just took that took, took took that cab like two towns over and took the train from there. But um, like you don't really think you're. I never thought I was struggling growing up. Yeah, you know, because shit, the, I knew I knew when we was I, fucked up positions. I, I knew it was. I didn't really know like um. I knew I knew certain things. I knew my mom had an ugly, dirty car. She had a 1973 Chevy Nova in the 80s and 90s. Oh man, that okay. Shit was <laughs> so that was just just struggling with that, and then um, I had some a lot of struggle clothes, corduroys with holes, like okay, hell yeah, struggle clothes. But um, definitely we have a little a couple moss in the cereal box. I remember Ghostface talking about flicking the roaches out the cereal yeah. box. I had moss in the motherfucker. Like, what the moss doing these? In this Damn. Cereal? Yeah, but it was it was crazy. Like there was just other little things. Like um, my my next door neighbor when I was six, he found a gun in my backyard. Like someone stashed a gun in my backyard. Oh shit! And I was mad. I was like, "Oh, that's my gun!" Like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I want that gun." He's like, "Now nah, I'll shoot you." I was like, "Now nah, you ain't shoot me." have it but he gave it to his father those little things like you know you just 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 little crazy things going yeah, on yeah. That, that 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 you're like wow you know but um but my, my mother um we didn't really struggle too much my mother was um she was educated like but my parents were educated and even though they was um they were separated they still like co-parented and everything uh-huh. so like you know i might have wanted for like my mother would give me a dime for every year i was so I'm, a, I'm I'm ten. I'm making a dollar a week, and I'm still saving up to buy the Run DMC albums and the GI Joes and everything. I don't know how I'm doing it, but I think a lot of it is from my, my Jamaican. My Jamaican relatives just hit me with a hundo, like bang. Like, they're like, my mom ain't give me that. And, oh yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, not nah, um, it, it's weird because you know, growing up, you don't know if you you're, you're struggling. You don't know if you're well off. You don't really have like because I grew up in Cambridge is really like diverse, like. A lot of really rich people. Yeah, like poor people. It was really diverse kind of pre-gentrification. So, 
I, I'm blessed. Like everything, every all my struggles was outward struggles. Like, okay. Like my clothes wasn't right, or my haircut wasn't right, or you know what I mean. But I never was like hungry. I was never too cold. You know what I mean. I yeah, was, yeah. I was hot, you know. But um, you know, it was it was it was it was, it was a real nice child. I feel like there's a middle of like. You having a real boring childhood and nothing happens, and it might be the suburbs. There's nothing to do, and then there's like a hectic childhood where you might be in the hood and you're around violence and stuff like that. My, my, I'm nice in the middle where I had a nice, interesting childhood, and I still felt very safe. Like I knew I might get like a black eye, beat up, robbed for my coat, but I, I, I never really thought like, yo, I might just get murked if I go to the wrong neighborhood today. Or, or just yeah, yeah. Tell me, man. How was Columbia University? Columbia was amazing. It was so dope. So, like, when I went there, like, I already knew. Lauren Hill was there already when I went there. I saw I seen her on my own. She was a student? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know she went there. Yeah. So, so I'm on, 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 on even on my class trip when I visited Columbia, I knew she was there. And they also had the Stretch and Bob radio show. Okay. Which, and they like legendary New York DJs. They actually have a talking about stretching Bobito. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I had the reggae show before them. So, I did, I, I did reggae radio there. It was real dope, man. I studied political science and African American studies. There was a lot of really other cool, um, a lot of cool black people from all over the country. I had a lot of friends on the football team, so I meet people from like Oklahoma, Gary, Indiana, D.C. So I was able to like really get a glimpse of what was going on in the world in terms of Black America. So I was getting hip to like UGK, okay, um, you know, Master P, yeah, all that from because there was black people from everywhere, mostly for the football team. Football team was recruiting people from. Cali, Texas, D.C., Florida. So it was a real cool group of um uh, of, of of students I was around. The white, you know, the white people was cool. The white students was cool. I had some, I had white friends. Um, I did radio. I, that's when I kind of started, like you know, doing a little bit of my 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 raps. I actually started my first recording. I recorded. I took a um a music technology class at Columbia, and now we had access to a studio. So that's why I recorded some of my first songs that I put out. So Columbia was real dope. Um, I enjoyed it. I got to do radio. I got to uh, you know play a lot of basketball, have fun, meet, meet a lot of friends. New York is dope. It's Columbia's right in Harlem. Oh, I didn't know it. Yeah, right in Harlem. Well, yeah, outside, right outside of Harlem, but it's inside of Harlem. Um, so nah, Columbia was dope and um, good education. Get got to meet good people there. Um, just got, got to do a lot of rapping. You know, I kept my. I was like a campus rapper, and I would play some of my music before Stretch and Bob. So I really enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> it was challenging academically, but I eventually found out, like, <clears throat> if I just keep myself disciplined and I get my, ahead of myself on my assignments and I, I study and work with people, it really taught me how to, like, network and work with people, too. So Columbia was dope. Uh, no, I really wanted to be in New York. That's what hip-hop was. Like, right. you know, me being a hip-hop head, huge fan of, like, Tribe Called Quest, Nas, De La Soul, like all my favorite rap acts were based based out of New York, and that was kind of like the mecca for hip hop. So I wanted to go there. That's why I wanted to be in New York. And then being able to get an Ivy League education, my parents was happy with. That was dope too. And yeah, it was definitely definitely a great experience. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah, and that's a good ass university. Like, yeah, can't anybody just get in there, man? Nah, I, well, both my parents <clears throat> were smart. My, my 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 father had his PhD from MIT in math, and my mother was a uh, um, she was a assistant college professor and assistant teacher. So um, I know it's a private school. I got kicked out of private school, but I was still smart. Um, so yeah, now nah, like math was always fun, and then like part of 
I, part of my English, like I, my mother, like raised me to really respect poetry and literature, and that's part of the. I try and put in that same attention into into rap. So, I was blessed to have two educated parents and come from a um area with a good school system and have you know peers who encouraged me and like I was that had that there was always that stereotype where like black. Black people tell kids yeah, they're acting white when they do small. I had like the hood was encouraging me. Like they were like, oh, when I made the papers for having like the highest test score, like That's what's they were behind it. So like you know, I had a lot of support from um and you know, no like my friends wasn't trying to like um lead me down the wrong path or whatever like that. You know what I mean? Like uh, do anything that would would would, would um hinder my my academic success. And everyone was proud when I got into good college. Hell yeah. And you was an intern on a Chris Rock show. Yeah. How was that? That was really dope. That was an amazing. Um, so I did that right after college. And, like, my my ideas of what being an intern was, like, you had to be a gopher. You had to run and get coffee. You had to make coffees. But when I got there, they was really cool. They had me do all, like, all the standing stuff. So if there was a sketch for the Chris Rock show, I would have to do it before they filmed it. So I would have to, like, Pooty Tang. I was Pooty Tang standing. Oh, so I had up? to do all the Sarate. <laughs> All that. Um, anytime, like, Chris had a guest, I was there. They would send me out to, like, the skits and everything. And they were like, let me eat eat at the table with them. Like, sit at the sit in the writer's room. Like, Wanda Sykes was a, was a writer there. Louis C.K. was a writer there. Yeah, I never knew that. Yeah. Uh, Andre Leroy, who he went on to be the executive producer of Everybody Hates Chris. And then also Ice Oh, young Facebook friends with him. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Chicago dude, real cool dude. So I met a lot of, and they were all really supportive. Like, Wanda Sykes is really cool. Um, they were all really supportive, good mentors. And I felt like I, if I knew, like I would have definitely tried to get a job there. But the problem was there was like a seasonal thing. It was only be from like September to December. You know okay. So it was hard to like a year-round job. But that was really fun. I got to meet DMX, Outkast. I pitched Eminem to them. Like they would like like I, I, I felt like more than an intern. I felt like you know an employee because I you know like I wrote jokes. I wrote a couple jokes. That's what's up. Writers room and then like, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. I would I would work with the music supervisor. So I pitched. I was like, yo, you need to get this white dude Eminem. Like she was getting she was getting good acts. She was getting um DMX, Jay Z, Outkast, and I would help with the musical performances. They had. Yeah, so it was a real dope experience and also like me always loving comedy and hip hop. It was like the perfect internship for me. That's what's up. Looking at the white girls video and reading the comments, a lot of people was like, Drake stole his style. <laughs> what, what do you think about that? And oh, and what and like his, do you see anything? I I used to not see it. I used to hate it. I used to hate it because I felt like damn someone more famous than me. Everyone say I'm like a ugly version of him. But now <laughs> But now, now, now I kind of see it in terms of white girls because that was a joke style for me. Like the white girl style was, was singing and like that, that, that high bass kind of melody shit. Mm-hmm. Like that was just like a style I was gonna use for one song, and it's not used for one song. And it was as a joke. I wasn't like seriously making an R and B song yeah. where I'm singing, but it, it had that that level. So I'm singing the hook, and I'm kind of like a baritone tenor. Him too. And um, obviously we both biracial with thick eyebrows. I got a gap in my teeth though. <laughs> um, so, like I see it in terms of his music off white girls, even though his music is real serious and R and B and mine's comical. There's kind of like some thematical things there beyond just the um, you know, me being light skinned, him being light skinned, us both being biracial. Um, but we're real different as artists, and um, no salute him for success. He's 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 great at what he does, <clears throat> and um. 
But I didn't see it. But I see it now. I see it a little that 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 style. Someone someone told me back in the day. It's like, yo, Drake stole your style and some Illuminati shit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what, nigga? Like, I don't, I ain't, but I, I could kind of see beyond just like obviously me being biracial with an afro, sometimes a beard, you know, whatever. And then that because it's, it's ill. If you look at old pictures of him being on TV, because I watched him, like I watched the old Degrassi. Okay. I watched the old Degrassi, and so like the. The kids from the old Degrassi, they the parents on the new Degrassi, him. And I'm watching with him, and I'm like, how you want a TV show with no lineup? You know what I mean? All them, like, like, where, like, and that's why I'm like, where are your Jamaican friends? Like, where where, where was they back then? Because yeah. this dude had no lineup. You're on national TV, like, every right, day. Right. And, but I feel like, you know, he, he's definitely, and it's interesting, like, him being biracial, his father being from Memphis, being a certain way, uh-huh. and him taking on that, and his you know, mother being Jewish. And, you know, you know, people react differently to, to how they are, but, you know, practice to him, success for him. I feel like I'm a pioneer and, like, one of the first people just, like, say, like, I said I'm white girls. I said I got a white mom. I was the first people, like, oh, I'm biracial. I'm mixed. Yeah. And you weren't really seeing that out of too many rappers. Like, I didn't know if there were anybody. I didn't know. I thought Kid was biracial out of Kid and Play, but I didn't know. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that, I didn't know. Yeah, he's Jamaican and, uh, and uh, white. Okay, okay, just yeah, like me. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. You know, that shocked me. I didn't know he was uh, biracial till he was talking. He was like, yeah, my mom's Irish. And I was like, oh, shit, he's mixed. Yeah. Well, in the movie, Robin Harris said, I should never marry your yeah, white mom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> So I, I knew his character. But that was the only way you could have Robin Harris be kids. Right. <laughs> Father, because Robin little dark. And yeah, like, yeah. Ain't no regular light-skinned woman going <laughs> to give you no kid with Robin Harris. So he definitely had to have a white mom in the movie. Hell, yeah. But nah, so I, I read the comments. They be funny. They be cracking. I got a good humor about my sense of humor about myself. Cause we, I grew up in the um, in the your mama era where you people just crack oh, yeah. on each other, do the dozens. So I'll be like, I'll be like, I'll be reading them comments and just dying. Like all oh, the Drake jokes be dying. Hell yeah. <laughs> so like we mentioned, two thousand six uncut abruptly ended. Right. Oh, did you get a heads up about that, or you found out like the rest of us? I found out like the rest of everybody. Yeah, yeah. and I couldn't understand. And you know, Deborah Lee. Yeah. Okay, so I was boarding the plane, and the plane that came in, and the passengers was getting off before we could board, and she got off, and I was like, "That's that bitch that fucked the BT," <laughs> and I wanted to yell, "Bring back uncut!" And I was like, "Man." Let me not do this in the airport. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, but I was like, man, she sucks. She the reason all the videos and shit got taken off, you know, and, all the good shit. And she, yeah, just fuck BT up. And, and my thing is, it's like, if you, I, I get you want to be more positive, but don't, don't, don't show like negative stuff during the day and just don't show the titties and then act like you nice when you're talking about all these degrading songs during the day, right. violent songs. But then you're not showing a little bit of booty on uncut you know what i yeah. mean and you're not giving independent artists a chance anymore on exactly uncut. so and you're still like and, and now and now especially past that ever like once you get to 2006 2007 to youtube once you play a clean version like kids can go get the dirty version on youtube like yeah. they're gonna find out what it is so nah yeah but well, but um yeah and nah, i i i I got four years out of one video, so I wasn't Hell too yeah. mad. Like they that they played my video from two thousand two to two thousand six for four years, Hell pretty much yeah. straight. I don't know if they missed a week, you know. So I wasn't I wasn't really too 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 crazy about it or, or either way. But I feel, you know, it meant a lot to people, man, because it was a special thing, man. Hell yeah, staying up till three because there's not much. 
you have to make there's not much you have to spend effort for. Like kids today will never be like know the feeling of having to go buy a CD or, or, right. or listen to a radio show at a certain time to hear a song or staying up after three to watch BT or cut. Do you feel like uncut was kind of meant to set you up for failure? Like, yeah, we're gonna play your song, but we're gonna play it at three o'clock in the morning. But little did they know, motherfuckers was staying up to watch that shit. Nah, I don't. I think I think I think it was they. They might have set up BET Uncut for failure, and that like the interns and Tumabasa run it, and they'd be like, whatever, like it's a it's, it's a garbage hour, you know. Anyways, we don't get no ratings there, anyways. But I don't think they was specifically trying to set the artists up. I think they might have been trying to pigeonhole me because I had another song, Black Rapping School, which was based on the Robert Townsend song, Black Acting School, okay. and I submitted that to BET Uncut, and they wasn't trying to play that. So I think they might have tried to put you in a certain box, like uh-huh. all right. So now you just gotta make the raunchy, the raunchy songs. But I seen like other people, like uh, other people have videos like my like shout out my homie Crazy Al Kane, who's a big like parody superstar. He worked with for the Star Star in the Morning Show, and okay. then even Murs and Humpty Hump they had a nice little funny BT uncut video. So I, I was happy with. Oh yeah, okay, I remember that. Yeah, with Shot yeah, G and yeah, shit. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it was nice to see that lane come on, and I feel like. The human lane, I feel that's missing in hip hop, and I feel Uncut also gave a lane for artists who just wanted to be funny, either intentionally or unintentionally funny. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then in what 2013 or 2014, they yeah, announced that Uncut he was coming did. back. He did. Yo, so all right, so before this, I actually worked for BT for a while on one of their programs. Oh, um, I read that. Yeah. Don't sleep, which was with TJ Holmes. It was a political talk show. So. All right, so after after I, I I was teaching for a while, I um I got a job in journalism. Actually, I was writing, I was blogging as a rapper for like Hip Hop DX about Obama and other political things. But I was blogging as a rapper, and I was able to leverage that to get a job working for Radio One. So Radio One is a black-owned radio company that also owns TV One. Okay. And um, so they were starting websites back then, Urban Daily News One. So I actually had to start News One, and from there. I went on, I worked there for four years being a journalist. So that was, and, and also a comedian. I had a web web series. So by then, after that, I worked for BET for a while. So I knew people at BET. So I was t- t- talking to people. Like, I was excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to be able to be lit again. Like, I had another song. I got that weed. I'm like, oh, this song might be ready, <laughs> ready for uncut. And um, so I was excited. And my friends and all my friends who worked for BET, they just was being cautious with me, like not even telling me nothing. And I kind of had a bit of a feeling like I saw it at 11. And then I'm like, all right, if they did it and and it was a success, more power to them. But they just they just failed. Yeah. That that show never went nowhere, that 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 that, that fake punk show. And <sighs> then they wound up doing BET Jams, which looks just like BET Uncut. So why didn't they just make BET Jams, BET Uncut, and get a better brand for it? I didn't know, so I don't, I've seen BET Jams a little bit, but I didn't know they was playing like raunchy videos and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So they told us Uncut was coming back, and then I remember uh, watching. I was like, "Oh hell yeah!" Seeing the intro, I was hyped. Yeah, I said, oh hell yeah! And then punked, and I was like, "Why are you gonna bring this fuck ass show back anyway?" Yeah, and I guess they wanted to make it blacker or whatever and shit. That yeah. fucking show sucked, dick. I never watched it, and yeah, I was me like, either. "Yeah, I was a little disappointed because I was ready to get lit again on a music scene." Yeah. Uh-huh. But you know, whatever. Then I, I read that you was suing BT. Yeah, I for just, exa- for what exactly? Yo, so okay, they when they did the commercial, homie was like, "Do you remember BET account?" He was like, "Don't tell me the Barmercon." Like he did my my shit. Like he did the shit, referencing to it. But they never got no publishing or anything off me. So I was gonna sue him for that. 
And I I went back and forth with the people I could have, but it was just like wasting. Also, oh, you left it. You let it go. I let it go. Oh, why you let it go for? Man. I might have to. I don't know. I had I had friends working there at the time, and you know, shit though. You got to separate business yeah, and personal. Yeah, that that's yeah, your yeah. shit. You should yeah, be compensated. Yeah, nah, but I went, but I, I you know I, I did, and I emailed like their legal team, and they they had some type of defense, and I was like. I showed it to some people. Actually, Tumabasa, same guy who actually put me on. He's like, nah, you should have sued him. But, you know, I was like, I was ready to just move on from it from there. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, man, y'all, y'all they, they played an unfunny joke. Yeah. No, nobody was yeah, amused. I, nobody. They pissed more people off. And Yeah. Like, and they, if they would have really brought BET back, and that's all BET really has is the memories. Right. All they have is 106 and Park, Rap City. <sighs> These new kids is not watching BET, maybe for an award show or nothing, but they're not checking BET for no content. All you have is the old people, they're BET Uncut, Rap City, Miss Cedar, Oh, Intro yeah, Cedar Streets, yeah, man. man. And yo, yeah. The fucking Big Tigger in the basement. Hell yeah. Those are all my, my memories, man. And in eighth grade, I couldn't wait to get home from school to see like the thong song video and other oh, little shit, yeah. yeah. So when I was when I was growing up, they had Yo MTV Raps on at four thirty, Rap City on four thirty. Then when I moved into New York, they had Video Music Box. Oh, Rob McDaniel, <coughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had Video Music Box on at the same time, and they also had the box. Oh, I used to fuck with the box where you call in yeah. and you pay for the video. <laughs> so from four thirty to like six, I if there was a if there was a whack video on MTV, I'm a BET. If there's a rap video on BET, I'm a Video Music Box. Video Music Box, I'm on the box. So between like four thirty and six thirty, I'm just rap video out. Because the box turned into MTV too. Okay. Back in the day, I remember they was like yeah. the box is going away. We're gonna transfer. It's gonna be MTV two. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was yeah. like, oh, they still play videos, but yeah, like I love to see the box. You know, I never called and requested a video. I wasn't paying for that shit. But just to see, you know what I'm saying? It was, like, it was the labels. The labels was the ones doing it. Like, I found out later when I started listening to, like, podcasts about the music business. Oh, the labels were calling. And yeah. I, I, I think I may have heard yeah. that and request the songs and shit. Yeah, and it'd be like, yeah. oh, this is Tony from Seattle. I want to hear of Mystical and shit. Yeah. yeah. Damn, that's fucking crazy. So you mentioned, like, startups and, and other stuff. So what other things are you doing right now? All right, so right now I have a startup called MV Gen, which is a music video generator. Um... Founded by John Lee. He's my partner. He's the first um, African-American on the cover of Wired. So basically, I use my experience in the music business, and especially with low-budget low music videos, to kind of realize that it's more important to have like a really good song than have an expensive music video budget. So I know a lot of artists out there don't really have no budgets for music videos. So we, it's a gift-based music video generator. So all you got to do is type in keywords. So if you want to make a thong song video for Cisco, you just type in thong, and you're going to have a whole bunch of thongs. Okay. If you want to make a Lamborghini video, a Spider-Man video, anything you think of, we got gifts for. So, like, um, yeah, we've worked with, we've been in, um, had content on Worldstar, Vlad TV, Hip Hop DX. Okay. Um, there's a really important website called Product Hunt, which is kind of like the unsigned hype for, like, startups. And they, they mentioned us, and they also compared us to TikTok. So I've been putting a lot of content on TikTok recently, a lot of little short videos. So basically any artists out there, Go to MVGen.com, and um, we should have an app real soon, and just type in some keywords that match your music, and we got all sorts of filters and effects like Instagram and TikTok. So I've been doing that for four years. Out of that, I, I met Mankind, who's a great rap group I manage. I have a lot of really great content for them. So they got a Star Wars album. Where are they based out of? Harlem. Okay. Yeah. 
So they got a Star Wars album, so I got all Star Wars gifts, cartoons, cartoons. They have an amazing, my last like big feature song is on um, a song that is called Noah, which stands for Nigga on a Horse, which is from their Juneteenth album, which is like a history concept album. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, but yeah, I highly recommend any artist like um, Run the Jewels or like put it on their social media, Major Laser, put it on their social media. I have a lot of MV Gen content there. I've, check out my TikTok at Casey Gang. Doing a lot of stuff on on TikTok with MV Gen right now. So um, and you can it's content you can put on Instagram, put on Facebook. You've had millions of views on YouTube, a whole bunch of views on Instagram. I just started TikTok and I already got like um thousand likes, a whole bunch of followers, like a lot of my videos are like so um and it's a good way for me to like curate music, you know what I'm saying? And, and find some stuff. Like I do a lot of stuff like if I don't know if people are familiar with like West Side Gunner Griselda. Yeah, yeah. Do a lot of their stuff. So they got a song Mr. T, so it's all Mr. T. You know what I mean? A Mr. T video for Mr. T. They got an Omar's coming, so so it's all like the wire. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, okay, okay. So yeah, like um I my, my personal YouTube channel has like uh, a lot of the best MV Gem videos and that's Casey Game. And then I'm um, on Instagram. I mostly post MV Gen videos on there too, as well. And then TikTok is pretty much all MV Gen videos. And then I'm Casey Gain on Facebook, but I also have an MV Gen page and MV Generator on Twitter. But um, yeah, we definitely trying to get that bag, man. That seems like the the the, the, the wave, like so, so much going on in technology. And we've had some pretty big meetings this year. One of the biggest um shoe fashion companies, sneaker companies in the game, we met with. We were talking with one of the biggest record labels. And hopefully these <clears throat> talks will progress, you know. Hopefully I can get some some views up, have some leverage to come to these companies. Hell yeah, man, yeah. And, and much success with that. My thing is, like, in this fucking business, shit moves so slow. You will have a meeting, discussion, discussion. I'm like, I'm yeah. fucking sick of talking. Let's yeah. get this shit going, but you just got to be patient. And the COVID thing really kind of, oh you know, yeah, like yeah. we was we was kind of a little far along in the talks with one of those companies, and then the, the COVID stuff shut down everything we were gonna do. So now we just got to discuss like, what's the next move? Right. But no, business is cool, and um, hopefully I could be a success story in terms of this. Um, it's real exciting, man. I really, I really have fun making making these music videos and um. Seeing other people make them and share them, and it keeps me close to the streets in terms of like what's new, what's popping, what the kids is, is listening to. And also, you know, it's good to see my generation. If you look at the Grammys, like the Grammys, the Grammy nominated rap artists is all closer to my age than they are to the twenty year olds' age. You know what right. I'm saying? So I feel like we're coming to an age where grown man rap is like a a, a real category. Hell yeah. Where where young people could appreciate the wisdom of of older people, and our own generation don't need to. Go to uh, a young, and I, even though we should, like I, 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 I like hearing what the young people got to say, and 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 and, and I feel like they they shouldn't be disrespected, and I feel like even though everything they do might necessarily be for me, that doesn't mean it should be dissed or dismissed. And a lot of the things that I see my generation criticizing, this generation for that generation got it from us, like you know, people talking about. They just put it on social media, like, you know, like in terms of all the gang disrespect and a lot of the negativity and violence in hip hop. They're just kind of putting it on social media when a lot of our generation kind of laid the blueprint. And, and a lot of our generation is still kind of the gatekeepers for for the culture in terms of the music aspect of, of kind of who's getting popping out there. You mentioned that you did one album. Why didn't you follow up with another one? Um. Well, again, I was looking for the big record deal for the next one. And... So I started, and I was still always recorded songs, and eventually I recorded like a reggae EP, which is kind of like a second album, like six tracks. It was just like, 
I didn't really like have the 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 the, the, the drive to do another independent album. Right, took a, right. it's a lot of energy, and um, I guess by the time like I kind of realized like I wasn't gonna get a major label record deal, I was already like um working in journalism, you know, doing comedy. Yeah. I actually did a uh, a movie called Monkey Gang: The Mockumentary, which is like a, a modern day CB4. Okay. So I did that, and I did like the whole like film festival circuit. We, we met with a whole bunch of companies for distribution. Talked to the Wayans brothers. Talked to Chris Rock. You know, showed it to them. Um, so I got to do the movie stuff, and then you know, then it started managing mankind. And I feel like, as an artist, or like a solo artist, I could be like, you know, I could get a scoring championship. And I feel with white girls, I definitely made my mark. But what I really want is that that chip. That classic album. And I feel working with mankind, like they're putting out music at such a high rate. And I might not be the star, but I'm still contributing to these um these classic albums. You know what I'm saying? When I was like I grew up at a rate it was so hard to record, like even though like I haven't have to find a hundred dollars to pay my friend to, to let me record for like three, four hours at, at his crib, mix it down, do everything. Like so it was just by that time, I feel I would rather rather be a team player than yeah. be that dude. And even even with the the my reggae album that I did, it was all live music, all like me me, me playing the keys, me writing. So it's still me working with other people, you know. So I, I feel I'm rather more rather be a team player than like a solo act, depending on how however it is. How's your uh, Jamaican fan base? Jamaican fan base, I think I um I get love. I, I haven't really broken like I broke into hip hop. But there was, um, in terms of live, so the, my last big show was the SOBs, which is a historic New York venue. Oh, yeah, you heard of SOBs, yeah. And we opened up for Jesse Royal, who's a really respected reggae artist. And me and my man, Ja Bami, we, we shut it down. So, you know, we, we, we earned the respect of the, um, the, the Jamaican reggae fan base, at, at least on the live tip. In terms of, like, like radio placements and, and press coverage, you know, pretty good. Pretty good, not as well as my hip-hop. Um, I feel you know I feel pretty accept, accepted and respected, if not success successful, yeah, and, or, yeah. or as successful as I want to be. Have you been out there to Jamaica? Oh yeah, yeah, I go out there like every year. What part? Uh, Kingston, Montego Bay, like the country. I've been to Montego Bay. Yeah, Montego uh, Bay is nice. I, I liked it. I want to go back. I want to hit up Kingston too. I want to go to Dune River Falls. Yeah, Dune River Falls yeah. is nice. So yeah, Jamaica's real like it's dope as a tourist, and I've been both as a tourist and like as a family member as well. Um, so Kingston for years, like Kingston might have had a bad reputation because that's a lot where a lot of the um a lot of the gang drug drug based violence is. Oh, yeah, I'll talk about my book in a second, too. I forgot to tell you I wrote Oh, yeah, let, let yeah. us know. Um, so, Kingston is, is a real nice, real cultural place, a lot of reggae history. It doesn't get as much tourism as Montego Bay, which is really, you know, beaches, really tourism-focused, and it's not really... Like, that's the main economy in Montego Bay, while tour, like Kingston is a Jamaican, Jamaican city. But I feel like recently when I'm coming to Jamaica because of Airbnb... Like, a lot of European people are coming to, to Kingston, and they're staying there, and it's becoming more of a tourist place, and there's a lot of um, cultural things I, I could do. And the other thing I came in from journalism is after I finished that at News One, where I was at for four years, I was approached by a gentleman by the name of Paul Stewart, who I know he used to manage, Tone Loke, The Far Side. I'll reach out to him, okay. too. You might you might make a good guess. All right, yeah, hell yeah. And he he offered me a chance to, he was like, yo, I want you to write a book because he knew me as a journalist as well as a rapper. And he just told me I could write it on whatever I wanted. And it was like, I was like, whoa, 
like, what's your most popular article? And I wrote a really popular article about the CIA in Jamaica. And so he, he gave me, so when I wrote that, that really opened my eyes, like learning about American history, um, JFK assassination, CIA's involvement in cocaine and heroin trafficking. What did the CIA do in Jamaica? Well, there was a, um, there was a prime minister by the name of Michael Manley, and he was very progressive, and he was friends with Fidel Castro. And the CIA really didn't like Fidel Castro, and they didn't like anyone dealing with him, and they didn't like anyone pushing like progressive socialist agendas. So what the CIA did is they came in and they started funding the opposition group, which was the JLP. Michael Manley's group was the PMP, the People's National. So they started funding them with guns and also arranging them to get in the cocaine trade. And there are allegations that they um, organized the hit on Bob Marley. That's not 100% confirmed, but it was the goons who were involved with the CIA who were being fund, funded and trained by the CIA. So if you look at, like, the shower posse, like the big Jamaican gangsters who, like, you know, shot us, and they, they were really originally funded by the CIA oh, to, to, to fight against um, the, the, the forces supported by Castro. So, like, and they do this a lot of places. So if, if we know even out here... CIs are very connected to the cocaine trade, and they use the cocaine trade to advance their political agendas. So that was definitely going on there. And then um, in terms of destabilization and creating violence, you see that in a lot of countries. So they was definitely arming the opposition groups, training the opposition groups. Propaganda is another big thing they do in terms of, like, newspapers and press and making um, whoever they don't like look like the bad guy and whoever their friends are to look like the good guy. So there was a lot of um, a lot of relationships with the, these kind of these Cuban, a lot of a lot of the, the the Cuban drug dealers left after Castro and they joined the CIA. So there's a lot of connection between the CIA, this um, mafia dude Santo Traficante, and um, these Cuban drug dealers who were working with the Jamaicans as well. To so it was, it was basically a, a three pronged thing. Uh, Drugs, guns, propaganda, economic destabilization. Like they will use their assets to kind of make your, make the economy scream. So they do a lot of different stuff to mess up an economy. If they see a leader they don't like, they will um, bring drugs, violence, propaganda, um, a bad economy, and try and get that leader out either through an election or a military coup, a revolution, assassination, etc. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've heard, like the CIA was like supplying drugs to people mm-hmm. and shit like that and yeah damn it's crazy i didn't know they was like fucking with jamaica yeah well it's everywhere man it's it's, it's like like when, when when i started doing the research i kind of realized it's just kind of a, a a pattern like originally in the vietnam war when you look at like laos and cambodia and places like that they was getting the opium from there and using there were smaller wars besides the vietnam war going on in cambodia and laos and they would use the money from the the opium trade that caused like the first major heroin ep- epidemic in in America in the for, with the soldiers and the black community. So that was and, and then um, in the 70s they was kind of doing that too in, in in South America through this thing Operation Condor working with guys like Pinochet working with a lot of old Nazis too like um this dude Klaus Barbie if you watch Inglorious Bastards the the guy the main Nazis based on him but they worked with this guy Klaus Barbie old Nazi. And he worked with the dude from Scarface, based on the dude from Scarface, to run like a major, um, yeah. you know, CIA-backed Bolivian drug ring. So they were doing that. And then in the 80s, when, when crack started popping, everywhere was popping. Nicaragua, Costa Rica, like all, all, any place between Colombia and America was popping. 
for as a as a drug transport spot because you know, so much drugs going on in the eighties, crack ever. You know, I, we you know, I grew up living a little bit, and then but seeing like who was really behind it, you know, it was, was, was kind of crazy. Uh, and this book is out. Yeah, inside the CIA, single one in Jamaica. You get on Amazon. Oh hell yeah, that's yeah. what's up. Mm-hmm. You got any plans on writing any more books? My next book, yeah. I mean, I don't have anything specific right now. I have, uh, you know, some personal stories. I don't know if I want to do anything of that in that terms of that depth. I'm still doing a lot of, like, journalism for, like, you know, small, like, 2,000 words here, 2,000 words there. I, have, I don't have any idea what my next book would be. I feel like, once I feel a void, like, the reason I wrote that book is I feel like it was a story that really needed to be told. Not, yeah, not yeah. that I really felt like I really wanted to write a book or, it, you know, I wanted to just be an author for the rest of my life. But um, so I don't know. I would like to write another book, but hopefully someone will give me a deal. Someone will give me a deal. I'll write a book real Hell quick. Yeah, you know, Simon but, and Schuster's yeah, Random House. One of y'all hit them up. Yo, McMillan Publishing. They gave me like three, four racks for an article I wrote. Like, oh hell yeah, ten years ago, man. So I'm imagining if 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 they giving that for an article, what they giving for a whole book? Hell yeah. Man. How does it make you feel twenty years later and folk telling you like? Ah oh, man, I love that chick. I mean, I, I love that song. I liked your video and all that shit. It made me feel good. It made me feel like, yo, it's 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 because I feel like I I had a good brush with fame. I never got too famous, never got too rich, but also I never had the bad side. I never went to rehab, then went to jail. Yeah, then I just basically had a you know a, a a decent career with you know not as much success as I want, but a lot of the stuff that comes with success I didn't get either. I didn't get a lot, you know, especially in the rap game. So it made me feel good, man. I never always wish, like, you know, I could have been more successful. But I feel like I've learned from everything. And that whole experience was such a learning experience. And just to find a touch of nerve and, 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 and my joke worked. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's always risky when you crack a joke. Either you're going to be corny, you're going to be too offensive. You know what I'm saying? So to, to touch a nerve with people and that people kind of, you know, get the joke feels good. You know, I worked on it. And, and it gives me, it made me optimistic for the future in terms of, if I did this in rap, what can I do in technology? What can I do in in, in in journalism? What can I do with my other acts, with my other rappers who were better than me, but maybe not had the opportunities I've had? Like how 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 can how can I top that? How can how can something I'm connected with? I, maybe I might not have another song bigger than White Girls, but I want my homies to have a song bigger than that, or or an album bigger than that, or an album bigger than Nas, you know? So it made me feel good. Just off the fact, I always, always want more, but I, I, I do really know that this is a very tough game. The rap game is real tough. I know I have a lot of talented artists who never made a dollar in the game. That's right. <clears throat> never never had their song played on the radio. Never had their videos played on public access, let alone BET. So, uh, yeah, I definitely feel blessed to have opportunities to, to do – what I wanted to do as a kid, you know, it's a very few, you know, like a whole bunch of people want to be a basketball player, a rapper, or an actor when they grow up. But by the time they 20, 30, they probably don't got much to say about it other than, you know, they was on a high school basketball team right. or they was in a play or, you know, they was in a commercial. But I get to say, you know, I was, I got to meet people I, I looked up to. You know, I got to be in the game, with not only the, the rappers I looked up to, but the comedians I looked up to. Hell yeah. So, you know, it's a blessing, but I feel, I still feel I want more success, and I feel there's a different success you have as an older person as a younger person. 
And I'm a little grateful I didn't get that big success as a young as a as a younger person because now I can get it as an older person. Because I feel a lot of people, especially like you look at child stars, like they get success real early on. And you by the time up. they're forty, they flamed out. And you know, if you look at like a lot of rappers, like who might have get got pop popping, sold millions of records, and then now, you know, they might be in the hood struggling, having sex with transsexuals, having a business in the street, and they just like a punchline. Yeah. They like just just people just that's all it is is a joke to people and 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 the problem is with being a rapper is you, people expect you to be rich forever like man wow you got a day job Casey man the white girls was ten years ago what do you think that money gonna last like what, right. what do you think like when you see like a, a rapper was popping fifteen years ago with a day job like what do you think like yeah yeah and some people have too much pride to not go get a job yeah 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 especially a public job like that's why a lot of rappers might hustle or something or do something like that or yeah, yeah. or you know uber or something like that because it's different when you're famous yeah yeah have you used your fame to like get some cutty from a girl be like i i mean they they they've approached me for it and i've gotten it but okay. I've, I've never been like yo i seen this video or done this but you know this girl's been like yo i seen your video that's funny blah 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 what's up has there ever been a chick who didn't want to fuck with you because of the song? I think she said it. She said that, but she was actually dating my friend at the same time. I think that uh, was her way out. <clears throat> that was her way out of just like not fucking with either of us. Yeah, I say that because like new chicks that I meet, I don't, I don't tell the, I don't let them listen to the podcast. I won't tell yeah. them the name of it. I was like, look, you need to get to know me before you hear me on her wilding out and thinking one other thing. Like there's there's multiple sides to me and shit, but just get to know this side. And then I'll let you see, you know, my little crazy side or whatever. So yeah, I was just wondering about that. Yeah, now maybe one, and there might have been other ones who do, who didn't. Cause yo, like for most part, like um, you know, I went to Columbia like this, and maybe when I was in Boston for a while, there was a bunch of white girls. Most part, like my my circle who are my day, but like you know, bougie black girls. And, you know, there's a few who might be like, even if you're a rapper in the first place, if if even not let alone not talking about white girls, but um, doing some wild stuff, but um. Uh, it's it's it, I, it's interesting and but like um but yeah it's 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 like so the song like really I, c- coming up in Boston I like seen a lot of that like a lot of like a lot of my friends would be like the dudes be like get a lot of white girls and they'd be like fuck it like that's an easy way to go I'm just focusing on white girls and uh, not necessarily not fuck with sisters but that would be they kind of thing and but by the time I moved to New York it was like my whole social circle I'm a mess of who's in my social circle I'm not I don't discriminate against white black Puerto Rican I was gonna ask is Mighty Casey just like nah, white women or all women I like all I, I like all women but most of the women I've been dating are black women because that's my social circle but if there was a white woman Mexican woman whoever who I meet you know like as, if I'm attracted to something I'm gonna try and get it I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna be like oh I'm attracted to her but she's you know how many times were you called racist because of this song? Because when I was reading the comments, people was like, racist. I'm like, how the fuck is it racist, though? He, he didn't fucking downgrade no particular race and shit. He just talked about a preference. And then at the end of the song, he says, I'm just making jokes. Yeah. Um, I've seen it on the internet. I don't know if someone else, because the thing is, like, everyone I know, know me. Right. And they know I'm smart, and they know I'm a, a trickster, and they know I'm a bit of a troll sometimes, and they know like I'm outrageous, and I like jokes, right? Uh-huh. So everyone who knows me personally knows that's just an extension of me. When I, you know, see other people talking about me on the internet, that's when I kind of see it, and they don't get it. And I, I do get it because you know people people don't listen to the lyrics. 
Yeah. People just hear white girls. I'm like, this motherfucker <laughs> saying he like white girls. He's racist. <laughs> and then I listen into the poverty or the satire. And there's and and I think one of the bad things I'm gonna cut, it might have been the beginning of like outrage cancel culture when they got Nelly. And I feel like that's not the way to go at all. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people just outraged and canceling stuff. And it's so like, why don't you cancel poverty? Why don't you cancel some wars? Why are you canceling right. rappers? Like of all the things you could cancel, you out here canceling canceling rappers. So um, I feel like in terms of like in terms of both being racist and or sexist, I felt I was parodying race racism and sexism. So uh, it's gonna have those elements there, and you know some people is not is not that smart, and some people just don't get humor. Yeah. So I feel like you know, and and the problem with the internet now, and the feel with uncut thing is like when I was doing the shit for uncut. Like those there for that humor. Like they was there for the raunchiness. They was there for the humor. They they knew either they knew I was joking or they thought it was funny. You know what I'm saying? For the reason. But now with the internet, you have a whole bunch of people who just want to be offended. Right. Like they just wanna they don't wanna be happy. They wanna find a comedian. Like they won't even they don't like Dave Chappelle, but they'll watch his special just to say, Oh, that's offended. Like, why are you watching this dude? Just so he can offend you, you know what I mean? Right, and right. you don't even know like where he's coming from. You're not even putting any context onto what he's saying. You're just saying he said something transphobic or whatever phobic. So uh, it's 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 interesting, like to see me being called racist, and I get it. You know, some people aren't, ain't that bright or don't know music, or they just want to be offended. So they want to find something that makes them offended. So they find some easy song, white girl. Okay, let's be offended. And, and and people don't understand like being offended is also entertainment. Like you want to be offended, mm-hmm. like you know what I mean. <laughs> like if you're coming to Mighty Casey White Girls and your and your comment is racist, like you want you you want to be offended. You want to feel like something's racist. You want to find something. You don't want to find an instance of peace. You can find a hundred Mighty Casey songs while I'm talking about peace and love. And you don't want to find those and t- comment on those. You want to find the one controversial one. So I think it speaks a lot to 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 people. And I think people on both sides. I think. For there was a long time where you know black people calling white people racist, and finally white people were like, wait, you're racist too. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're they're reverse going in, and and you know what I'm saying, and all this stuff like, well, well, you can't do white chicks if we can't do blackface. I'm like, oh man, oh, that's two different things, that's crazy. totally different things. Yeah. Man. So so you're getting that on, on that element, and then some sisters might might I can see sisters, and I, I, like I planned out, I was like, all right, people can get offended, but. I'm going to work that in the song. Like you said, I said, for those who are getting furious, please don't take me serious. I'm just wilding out like Eddie Murphy and Delirious. Yeah. But if you took offense and you black or you white, I'm glad you did, sucker, because you're way too uptight. So I'm telling these offended people, I'm glad you're offended. Hell you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because you're uptight because I'm not being serious. I'm just talking about things that offend you. Now, why do these things offend you? If I'm just bringing them up from a humorous perspective, why does race and sex offend you? What right. I'm joking about, right? How come you never... I know you mentioned that you had white girls up and it got taken down. Why didn't you ever put it back up? Because when I was looking for it on YouTube, I didn't see it like on your page. I never put it on my page. Yeah, why? Why not? By the time, because it was like by the time, by the time YouTube was going on, uncut been off the air for like two, three years. So yeah. I was just putting the new stuff up, and it's someone already put it on there. Yeah. So I was like, that one's already getting good views, and with the way my my digital distribution set up, I'm still getting money. Oh, no matter who yeah. puts no matter who puts white girls up on their channel, I get the money. Okay, hell yeah. All right. Because when I was reading, they were saying like Uncut would get about five about half a million the uh, 
views a night. And they were saying that your views are equivalent to 50 million. Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I was like, that's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. That's dope, man. Congratulations on that. Yeah, no, nah, that was crazy. That was a great experience. And, you know, God bless people. And I'm still making money off beautiful uh, off today. You know, if I have children, they'll make money. If not, who I, whoever I leave them, I will make, it, make, make money off that movie forever. Hell yeah. Shit, before we get out of here, you got anything else you want to... Yeah, well, basically, um, Mankind, Mankind Music Academy, they they the new young people. I had I put out a single last year with them. One one song is called Dreamcast, and the other single is called Billy Jack. That's my most recent music. I have a... a my most recent project is Return of the Rude Boy, my, my, my first album's original Rude Boy. And that's a lot of um, me doing like a reggae hip-hop style and also playing live instruments. MVGen.com, that's what I'm trying to blow up. I'm really trying to blow that up as a platform, and then I can focus on podcasts, creative stuff, and have all that money behind it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah that's yeah. about it. That's what's up, man. I appreciate you coming out, man. I know oh, you no. didn't have to do this shit. And oh, like, man. And you had hit me up, like, quick, because, like, Thanksgiving night, I was outside just bored, and I was like, let me get on YouTube. And then I was like, man, I miss Uncut. So I started going just looking at a whole bunch of old Uncut videos, and I'm like... I wonder where these folks are. I'm finna reach out to them because I'm pretty sure motherfuckers still want to hear the story and 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 grew up with them. And then like you hit me back quick, so we was able to get this shit worked out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I seen you was in LA too. I was like, okay, well, it might as well, man. Yeah, because I was expecting to do a phone interview. Then yeah. he was like, hey, I'm out here. We can do face to face. I was yeah, like, shit, yeah, that's yeah, even better. Yeah. Because yeah. like the phone interview shit is cool. I got the new equipment. I'm able to do it. But I like to sit with a motherfucker and talk. Yeah, and me, shit. Too, me, yeah. Too, me too. Me too. Me too. So yeah, that worked out and. A lot and too bad Joker couldn't be here, so I'm about to call him. And, yeah, and tell him I said what up, man. Tell, him, tell, tell Sean I said what up, man. Yeah, yeah. So like, like the other artists that was on Uncut, how did you end up like linking up with them and stuff and talking? I think it was around the time when they said they was bringing it back. Oh, okay. And then okay. I, you know, I, I summer there, there's a couple like BT Uncut like super fans. They um Adam Bernard, Chaz Kangas, and they've you know wrote about it and they've they've been in touch with all of us so like through them they got in touch with the other guys um wax a million black jesus joker the bail bondsman yeah all right can you tell us what were some of your favorite uncut videos besides your own um the murder humpty hum joint um crazy al kane um uh, i liked uh many men is technically an uncut video yeah you know, um, and I watched that recently too the other day. Uh, matter of fact, the same night, and I didn't realize Makai Pfeiffer was in there. He was a shooter, and I was like, "Oh, oh yeah. shit!" I never realized. You know, that. Fifty Cent is in the Method Man video with D'Angelo too. He's a shooter in that video. What what song? It's, um, it's, 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 I, the, the the song with the guitar. I just want to love you, baby. I don't know that one. It's, yeah. it's Method Man and D'Angelo. Yeah. Oh, I have to go back and look. Yeah. Um, PD Crack. This for PD Crack and this for free. I didn't like too many of the sex ones, but like there was all, like originally a lot of like even Mike Jones originally was an uncut video, but then yes. he got pushed up. Yeah, he got uh, pushed up to to Rap City. Still, still tipping because still tipping. because the uncut in the beginning, yeah, the uncut video was different from the one they show on regular TV. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, that one. Um, let me try and see. My homie Isaiah. Who be about Troy Avery even had an uncut video. Troy Avery. Yeah, Troy Avery had an uncut what video. What year? Like the last year, like when was it? Oh six, it ended. Oh, see, I didn't know he was out back then. Yeah, he was just starting. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, tip drill. Obviously, the chingy right there. You know, off the remix for right there. Okay. Uh, 
Luda, what was Luda Pussy, Pussy Pop? Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Um, what else is a big one? Mine's that I liked. I like yours. I like uh, Club Hopping, the Joker, the Bell Bondsman. Who I seen you? I seen you interview my dude, Cyrus from the Real World, but my dude Tech from the Real World. Yes. Okay. So I'm trying to get Tech on there. He had, they had ass dance and smoke with me. Yeah, smoke with me. Yeah, smoke I, with me. I love smoke with me. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm real cool with Cyrus. Like we are super super. That's tight. crazy. I remember I'm from Boston. I remember when he, I, I was still watching the Real World. I'll let him know you, man, that yeah, you mentioned yeah, him. Yeah. 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 Uh, smoke with me. I liked. Uh, I ain't got no panties on. I ain't got no panties that's on. That's like Rocks one of the, the yeah, like yeah, I know him. That's a legendary one too. Yeah, yeah. Hell oh, yeah. Versace, like the, the the basic ones, like I guess the sort of like the get the the, the was it uh, Oskino Versace? Some of them one with that one. I ain't got no panties on. Uh, what that thing smell like? I like those. Don't get me wrong. I like all those, but I like a lot of the the other underground ones that was like um that were mainstream artists, but the videos wasn't. Yeah. Making day play like like I really like PD Crack. I, that song I liked a lot. There was you might remember him. I remember the 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 label was called No Loot Records. It was a black dude and a white guy rapping, and they shit was on uncut. And I remember I seen him during the Kentucky Derby. This is probably like oh four oh five. Um, I was out there. You know what I'm saying with my camcorder and shit, and they had their little tour bus and shit parked downtown because. During the Kentucky Derby, they used to like cruise up and down Broadway, and people would just be walking. It would be, it was swole as fuck, and then they they banned that shit a long time ago. But I seen them, and I was like, oh shit! I was like, yo, I be fucking with you on Uncut. And the white dude, he was like, oh, that's what's up. He was real cool. We talked and shit, and he was like, yeah, we just at here for the Derby. I remember they was from uh, East St. Louis. I, okay, I, I'm gonna have to look them up. I forgot their name, but I just remember it was No Loot Records and shit. And yeah, man, like I had a little ritual when I didn't have school. I would watch Midnight Love. You know, the, the R&B shit from midnight to 1 a.m. And then I would go watch some other little shit and then come back, you know, like 2.55, right before Uncut comes on. But the thing that fucked me up is right after Uncut went off, they went into Jesus shit. Yeah. <laughs> you guilty as shit waking up. I was like, like, they can't that. give you a transition, like an episode of Amen or something, just to yeah. slide you in. I turn that shit right off. I don't want to see this shit. <laughs> Hell yeah. But Bira, thank you for coming oh, out, man. Oh man, thank you so much for having me, man. Hell thank yeah, you for the questions and the research, I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, man. We'll and stay give in me touch. A platform. Yeah, for real, man. I'm not too far from me. I'll be out here, man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Hopefully, people who aren't familiar with you will look you up, and then the ones who watch you was like, "Oh shit, I remember that," and you know yeah. they'll start fucking with you. Yo. T- tell the people your all your social media shit. So my uh, Casey Gaines, C A S E Y G A N E. That's my TikTok. That's my Instagram. That is my Twitter, and Facebook is Casey Gain. I, I'll add personal friends, you know what I mean? Um, oh, okay, I'll send you a little then, request. And then, yeah, Mighty Casey, my, my, Mighty Casey, you can like that Facebook page. The MV Gen, you can like that Facebook page. Uh, MV Generator is the Twitter, but definitely check out MVGen.com. Check out my YouTube channel, um, that's Casey Gain as well. And yeah, you see a lot of really cool um, short video clips, and I'm... Getting a lot of real cool music, man. I'm aggregating music. I'm bringing new music. I'm I'm making music you know fresh with new gifts. I'm bringing you new music with maybe some gifts you know with some like you know, Star Wars or some stuff. So I got real cool content on my TikTok, Instagram, YouTube pages, man. And if you're looking for some cool content, come check it out. And then if you want to make some cool content, mvgen.com. 
Hell yeah. So also, oh, if an artist wanted to reach out for a feature, you still down to do music? Yeah, yeah. Okay, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what's on up. My socials, I answer my DMs, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because I hit him up and he responded back like within less than an hour or so. Yeah, well, I was I, like, normally, oh shit. You, normally, because when Instagram you send DMs, you see requests if the person don't add you. And I said, I saw, I saw an extra one. I was like, okay, someone, someone sent me a message. And normally it's like spam or something. Yeah. So, so I'm like, let me see what it is. I'm like, all right, only look cool. Yeah, LA too. Like, all right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like every day I get to. Because I've done a lot of like interviews for my book recently. And I so I still keep doing that. I do a lot of interviews for my journalism. And, but it's been a minute since I did a rap one, maybe a year or two. Because I, when I was doing a whole um, reggae project, I was doing a lot. I did a little press run, did a, did a few podcasts. But um, yeah. That's what's up. Hell yeah. As always, if you have a dream, you have a goal, I want you to go after that shit. Don't listen to the people saying, no, nah, you ain't going to make it. You can't do this. Man, fuck with that. Fuck what they say. Because more than likely, they didn't have the motivation to go out and do something for themselves. And they want to sit and and see you be nothing how they are nothing because don't nobody really want to see you too good for real only right. very few people want to see you do good for everybody out there that uh, i like love and respect i'm sending you fresh vibes good health good wealth i want everything positive to happen to you that you want for yourself for everybody out there who be lying on me, talking shit, <laughs> making up fucking fake rumors and allegations and motherfuckers who want to see harm done to me and just see bad things happen to me. Fuck you. Eat a dick. Die slow. This is the it's Mr. GQ. It's Mighty Casey. Yes, sir. We out. Thank y'all for listening. Make sure y'all subscribe to all your peoples and keep listening. We need to get back on. Well, we need to get back on the charts in Canada, get on the charts in other countries, and get a higher position on the charts in Ireland. So I appreciate y'all, and I'll see y'all soon. Well, y'all will hear from me soon. I won't see y'all. Oh, also, fucking hit me up. Let me know like what y'all doing in life. I I, I put a fucking. I said I was going to do prizes for people who would screenshot to show me that you listen to the podcast, but nobody does it. I'm going to tell you, bro, before we get out of here, I have like the best, worst fucking fan base ever. <laughs> they listen to me, but they don't engage with me for shit. Oh, for man. like two and a half years, I'll be telling these cocksuckers, hey, uh, let me know what's, what uh, state this city is in. Nobody tells me shit. I'd be like, oh, listen to the podcast. I'll give away something. They don't fucking, they don't give a shit. I'm going to you, my man. He got a network <laughs> and he actually, he gets a lot of engagement, but not that many views. It's crazy. Like, yeah. I'd be like, yo, you have, you have like 30 comments in the past 10 minutes. He'd be like, how many views? He'd be like 30. I'm like, damn, everybody comment? Yeah. Like they listen, which I love, but I was like, I would like to know who they are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What they look like, what they like to do and shit. You know what I'm saying? Just to get more familiar with the guests. And then I travel a lot. So if I go out of town somewhere, I'm like, oh shit, this is so-and-so from this little city and shit. You know, let's connect, have a drink or whatever. But at the end of the day, I I don't really give a fuck if you hit me up or not. Just keep listening to this shit. That's all I fucking care about. And tell all your people to listen to it. But yeah, it's the Fresh Podcast, man. And we about this bitch. Hey. This podcast has been presented to you by Extraterrestrial Enterprises.